Disney's most forgotten film, SNL's last movie ever, and the greatest video game of the decade? Yes. All that and more this week on 30 2010. Welcome everyone to 302010, the Laser Time Network's weekly pop culture time machine, every single week taking you back into the most fun anniversaries of 30, 20, and 10 years ago. Ooh, I'll explain it more in a second. Hi, I'm one of your hosts, Chris Antista. Who else is with me? Greta Garbo, Anne Monroe, Dietrich, and Diana Goodman. It's me, Sarah. Uh-huh. And, uh, man, is there a bunch of fun stuff to talk about this week on 302010, where each week we look at uh, three different decades of releases, 30, 20, and 10 years from this moment. That, of course, means we're recording on uh, May 15th to the 21st, that week in 1990, 2000, and 2010. Why would 2000 trip me up? <laughs> Jesus Christ. Uh, hi, everyone. We're all a little wacky from quarantine, uh, but, you know, the show must go on. Back at work we are. Uh, of course, yeah. remotely in distance. Hi, everybody. I'm very excited to talk about this episode, or I was until I looked at Diana's news for 1990, and I'm depressed all over again. But I, I have to start it right away by saying the show is executive produced by Jason Walsh and many other fine people at patreon.com slash lasertime, supporting this show and the whole Lasertime network. If you like 302010 games, we have dug up a whole lot more games. We have a, a fantabulous <laughs> weirdo show with Video Game Apocalypse host. Uh, Mr. Diana Goodman, Michael Rapares, and Maddie Allen, where we talk about all the video games uh, from previous month's anniversaries and a lot of fun stuff in there. This, The next month, just from this episode, is going to be even crazier because this week might be one of the <laughs> most exciting in all video games in one of our decades. But we got to start off with 1990, as we always do. I was very excited to talk about a bunch of fun comedies, and Diana had to throw this in the news. Usually we save the deaths for the end, but these were noteworthy enough and happening on the same day. Uh, May 16th, 1990, we lost both Jim Henson and Sammy Davis Jr. That's just mm. that's just flooring. Like, But I, I to be honest, I, I didn't even notice Sammy Davis Jr.'s death. Uh, Jim Henson's was a well, big deal. how old were you? You Ten. were a tiny yeah. kid. Yeah, no. I mean, for a different generation, Sammy Davis Jr. was the big death. Yeah. For the rest of us, it was definitely Jim Henson. Yeah. Because he was only 53, and Sammy Davis Jr. was only 64. Fuck you, throat cancer. It, it's, I still find Jim Henson's death to be, like, profoundly unfair. <laughs> and, like, it yes. still bugs the shit out of me to this day. Sammy Davis Jr. was an old guy who smoked his whole life. I get it. He smoked like four packs a day. Like, yeah. Oh my god. Yeah. And then he issued uh, surgery because it would it would destroy his voice, which will become a theme that we get to talk about later in the episode. Good. Well, Lord. it's weird that they are both felled by throat issues. Yeah. That's weird. <sighs> oh, yeah. It's yeah. Respiratory illness. It's the new thing going around. Oh boy. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> it's what all the cool kids are doing. And it, <laughs> it also means at some point I'm going to have to talk about the televised Jim Henson funeral, which oh, is there are God. fewer things that make me cry harder than uh, Big Bird literally crying while trying to sing It's Not Easy Being Green. Oh, uh, Lord. Uh, it, no. it, I'll, I'll embed one of them. Uh, I'll try to remember to embed one of them uh, beneath this because I put it up on our YouTube channel. I tried to make it look as good as possible but it's it takes one of jim henson's favorite songs and does something really amazing with the muppets at his funeral and then later the the muppets would make a special about jim henson and at the end kermit walks in to let it was like the official acknowledgement on television that kermit would 
continued to live on and it was just like that memory of television fucking haunts me <laughs> to talk about the Muppets for an hour and then just Kermit walks in the door how's everybody doing mm. I sound different <laughs> anyway sorry that's a, that's that's but that's the news this week uh, big old bummer but mm-hmm. the uh, Jesus uh, the, the movies we got two competing comedies going on here uh, in mm-hmm. a movie I've never heard of in 1990 May 5th to the 21st Vincent and Theo sorry Tim Roth and Paul uh, Paul Reese two Van Goghs with one obsession. You sell them, you don't paint them? My brother is a painter, that's one of his there. Each living for Vincent's art. I'm coming to Paris. I really don't think you're ready. Well, when do you think I'm ready? Then? I don't know, never probably. Oh boy, another Vincent Van Gogh movie. Sorry, yeah. I, I watched one recently. Like, yeah, is, but it's a good one. Really? This uh, one's good, yeah. yeah I really quite it, enjoyed this. It's directed by Robert Altman, uh, who's kind of on a slump, and this is sort of like a smaller indie oh, wow. or not, not a usual thing that Altman would do in historical yeah. drama. Two people and, in the cast? Oh, my God. What? Well, <laughs> they still talk over each other, so okay, don't worry. Good. And Tim Roth is like kind of becoming known from this. Like He's not all that well-known here right. and there. You know, like some indie folks know him, but... Uh, this gets him a lot more attention because he plays Vincent Van Gogh and he is fucking great. And yeah, instead of just being, you know, the lust for life, like, let's pay attention to Vincent Van Gogh being crazy. It's more about the relationship with his brother, who's also an interesting guy. Mm-hmm. Mm. Yeah, I found it to be very well done because they really do get to Vincent Van Gogh's um, mental illness without it being like, I'm so crazy. You know how like a lot of. <laughs> biopic type movies like they just really overdo the mental illness part to the point where i start to suspect the actors having too much fun with it you know like okay (laughs) you shouldn't be enjoying this so much but in this case i think it's done very well very nuanced and i also have to say that they really put a lot of money into the dental prosthetics because (laughs) the bad depictions of teeth during this time period are yikes let me just put it that way they really like went hard on that okay i guess i didn't need that detail but thank you (laughs) yeah yeah i i like it as being because van gogh is either you know he's a tortured genius or he's just a lunatic and this gets like no mental illness is like any illness it's something Mm -hmm. that like you live with forever and sometimes it's better and sometimes it's worse and Mm -hmm. you know like things aren't right in your head but there's nothing you can do about it and sometimes you don't realize it's happening and he goes kind of manic and yeah i i really like it yeah it's a good one and i like the perspective of showing uh what it's like to love someone with mental illness also Mm -hmm. and have to watch them go through it as yeah with the perspective of the brother, you know, so, mm-hmm. it's great. Indeed. Yeah. And Cynthia, that's yeah, uh, a, yeah. Recommend. It's kind of like weirdly forgotten. I know. Uh, I've never heard Altman, of it. Until... Yeah. And Altman's oeuvre, it never comes up mm-hmm. and it's really good. It's just kind of different for him. And it is free on one of the streaming platforms somewhere. I can't remember which one, but you can find it for sure. Good yeah. to know. Uh, I should have looked into that for look. Lauren, Tom, Fran Drescher, Pamela Reed, and an amazing performance by Tim Robbins. And what I'll, I just want to say is in my top ten of Robin Williams movies. Uh, mm. Cadillac Man is out this week. Joey O'Brien. Legend, lover, salesman. Benz. 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 Ladies man. You probably got a wife. No wife, no ex. Ex, ex, ex wife. A man who always knew what to say. One moment. One moment. One moment, please. Until he met Larry. Everybody over there. You're crazy, Larry. Wait, 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 wait. Everybody back. Robin Williams, Tim Robbins, Cadillac Man. 
starts Friday, May. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, I just I, when Robin Williams died, I was just like, man, I have hated so many Robin Williams movies. I need to go back and look at the good ones. And this is mm-hmm. a fun performance for him. He's he gets to be his manic, wacky self, and then occasionally show like, oh yeah, this dude can really act when he has to. And I don't know. It's kind of a middle of the road comedy. I just it was on TV a lot as a kid, and I I really liked it. Robin Williams plays a Cadillac salesman who can talk his way in anything, including multiple affairs and relationships. And then uh, then one day in his car dealership, Tim Robbins bursts in with an AK forty seven and a bomb and holds everyone hostage. And he has to talk down Tim Robbins, who is convinced his wife is cheating on him because she is with Robin Williams. And it's it's just it, I don't know. It's a charming eighties comedy. Uh, I haven't revisited in a while, but I meant to do it here. But like, I have nothing but positive memories about Cadillac Man. Anybody else? It's it's okay. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it's it's fun. It's a bit middle of the road and a bit. Eh, sometimes it's like, well, I feel like we're wrapping this up kind of fast, or it's just, <laughs> oh, you know, the you, movie wraps up everything, including his mafia debt. It is it is this, <laughs> one of the silliest. Like, wow, he had all these problems; they were all solved. By fucking this man's wife? Weird. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, yeah. I mean, I feel like it, it could use a little bit of tightening up, but mm-hmm. it is another kind of forgotten movie in a filmography that yeah. is pretty good because he's kind of the straight man. Yeah, but a little not, bit. Not that, like, he's the boring one, but his job is to... He's already crazy, and he has to react to someone who is... You know, he's crazy, but he has it together. And Tim Robbins is crazy and does not have it together. And Tim Robbins is fucking awesome in this. I I think I love that man because of performances like this. And and yeah, again, Robin Williams' tragic death colored how I saw a bunch of his movies. So like The Fisher King is not my favorite Robin Williams movie. I do (laughs) think it's my favorite performance he ever gave because Mm -hmm. it just Mm -hmm. it capitalized on everything he does well. And and Cadillac Man, I think, is one of those films, despite being nowhere near my favorite Robin Williams movie. But it's in my top ten. It's it's not regret. It's not a regrettable watch. If you have any affection for it, it's worth revisiting. Uh, I don't know if I can say the same of Bird on a Wire. You cannot. <laughs> <laughs> I went back to watch this because I had vague memories of it. Mm-hmm. I remember uh, it got savaged by critics, even though it made and it made a bunch of money. Yeah. And everything about this movie is wrong. Yeah, it I, I, it was kind of a punchline for a long time. Stephen Tobel, Stephen Tobolowski, uh, Bill Duke, David Carradine, Goldie Hawn, and Mel Gibson in the number one of the box office movie this week, Bird on a Wire. Fifteen years ago, Rick and Marianne were birds of a feather. What the hell are you doing here? Being shot in the butt. Now, uh, down on the floor. They're sitting ducks. Mel Gibson, Goldie Hawn. This is not a good time to be talking about this, Marianne. Bird on a wire. (laughs) I'm not sure if I've ever seen this whole thing. This is one of those fucking Frankenstein cable viewings like I've just had throughout the last three decades that I'm sure I, I, I remember scenes. I don't know if I've watched it all in one sitting. So I do have a little bit of affection for this movie as one of those movies that I saw a bunch as a little kid. Mm-hmm. And so it just kind of, it's like very, to me, my memories of it. And I watched a little bit of it just to kind of refresh myself are very daffy and fun to me, but I mm-hmm. do understand the issues with it. Mm-hmm. I do have to say though, I like this Goldie Hawn role. Cause usually yeah. she plays like kind of a dingy dingbat, like oh, head in the clouds. And in this particular role she's like a high-powered attorney which i really liked seeing that 
her have that sort of role while also being like very beautiful, very glamorous and, you know, very stylish and stuff like that. I, but, I think to, to me, Goldie Hawn yeah. and Mel Gibson are like almost the, the, the boy and girl version of one another. Just these two tremendously beautiful, charming people. And I don't know. I think that, that a lot of hopes were pinned on these people just being beautiful and charming the whole movie mm. and not realizing well, this is a little silly. Well, it is silly. And it's like there is a really good movie hiding within this mm-hmm. one. Mm-hmm. Like this is another one where it's like a couple passes the script, a couple good editing it down, shortening it up, tightening it a little bit. So the idea is that, yeah, Goldie Hawn is this high power attorney and she runs into Mel Gibson, who's her ex-boyfriend that she thought was dead for 15 years. But really, he's been in witness protection. Mm. The guy he sent away, David Carradine, is out to kill him. Great idea. Fine. <laughs> totally works. Now they're on the run. Got it. They're bickering. They're on the road. That all works. But for some fucking reason, they make the backstory of why David Carradine is after him really, really complicated (laughs) and unnecessary. Mm-hmm. It's all this about like he and his friend went to Mexico and also he can fly a plane and they went there and they ran into these DEA agents and it turned out they were corrupt and then no. they shot his friend no. and then this and oh Bill Duke's been indicted but he's not in prison. It was like well, then why was he waiting to kill you until David Carradine got like and they're working for this other drug kingpin and we see that guy. It was like no why isn't it just nice and simple yeah. you put mm-hmm. this guy away now he's out <clears throat> there done. Ta-da. And help me help me out with this because this is one of those little kid brain things where like the image was in my head for so long as a little kid and I mm-hmm. couldn't make sense of it. But there's like some scene where there's pa- some sort of peril going on and, and Goldie Hawn is like in a zoo habitat or something <laughs> oh, yeah. and she's like walking along a little bridge and like Mel Gibson is behind some glass that's like helping her and there's yeah. all these like black like – things that keep falling on her falling on the bridge what is this yes yeah that's the other problem the climax of this movie is he they have a a, a shootout in a zoo in this indoor rainforest at a zoo with a waterfall and cliffs and rope bridges and then like the tigers he lets the tigers out and the tigers start attacking and chasing people and it's really long and it, it burned itself into my memory and then once i got older i was like what was that a dream what was that like i, I didn't even know where it came from it took me forever to get to this was a movie that i guess i watched with my parents when i was five well i think it, yeah. I, i'm just looking it into just it th- that weird. scene like the the big thing about it when goldie hawn was doing the commercial doing the uh talk show circuit she's doing all her own stunts in the movie so oh. the, yeah. so the set yeah. it, the set is dressed really weird with oversized leaves to with forced perspective because mm. that's really Goldie Hawn doing that shit with real animals and stuff. But that wow. obviously they want to keep her safe. And but so I think I haven't seen it in a while, but like that could add to some of the surrealness. Like they're adding forced perspective to have Goldie Hawn doing her own stunts. It feels very surreal because there's like <laughs> parts of it too where I felt like did this need to happen right now? Like at the towards yeah. the beginning when they first reunite, like they have to escape out of her hotel, like onto a beam outside. Mm-hmm. And it's like, you know, a size skyscraper hotel in Detroit, which is also strange. And they're like crawling along the skyscraper and it's like 15 minutes into the movie. Like it's just mm-hmm. really bizarre. Yeah. It's like the pacing is way off. There's uh yeah, well, it's a Mel Gibson movie. Does he get tortured? No, but he gets the shit kicked out of him pretty good. Uh, mm-hmm. Steven Tobolowski gets eaten by piranhas. That was neat. <laughs> and 
there is a section where they're like going to other places where he's being in witness protection under different identities. And one of them is a salon full of gay guys. Oh, and he what? used to pretend to be all fey and stuff. And it's hilarious. Oh, yeah. Like it's, like that hair came from nowhere, Mel. Jesus that Christ. is such Mel Gibson humor <laughs> to a T. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I hate hating like, him. <laughs> I, 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 I hate it. Oh, he's, Mel. Yeah. He's so good. He's yes, so good. This is so, it's so close to being a fun action comedy. Mm-hmm. And it's just like every single thing. It, it has all the things it needs, but it does them all wrong. Mm-hmm. And it bums me up because, yeah, I thought I was going to hate Goldie Hawn in this. I thought she'd just be not, nothing but screaming and, ah, help me. And she's actually right. a lot of fun. And she's I, so I wanted great. the movie to be better for her. I love Goldie Hawn. She's such a treasure to me and such a delight. And <laughs> I just like wish I just wish she was in more stuff on the regular basis. But um, I I mean, I love the idea of like uh, the climax being in like a zoo or a habitat. That's very fun oh, and interesting. I'm s- kind I'm- of about it like a rainforest cafe sort of. <laughs> I, I, I'm seeing a production note here on IMDb. The, the largest studio ever uh, studio set ever built in Vancouver is the zoo wow. set for this finale. I Six can stories tall. That. It's a big set. Yeah. Big, that's... complicated set. And that, okay, that's, that's, that's probably why even... it's burned in your memory so much. It's not a real yeah. fucking zoo. It's a ridiculous size. Well, that makes it even crazier to me because I was like, okay, well, maybe, you know, some, uh, you know, scout location scout was like, oh, my God, you guys, there's this great, like, indoor zoo. This would be a perfect location to shoot, like, this part of the movie. And no, they actually... So it dreamt it up and built it. Yeah. That's even crazier to me. Yeah. <laughs> like, well. Tends to be the things but, you remember. I do have to say that the Rainforest Cafe will be the first restaurant I go to when this uh, everything <laughs> finishes here. You will because... go alone. Those people <laughs> turn, Those people gave me three interviews and somehow felt I was unqualified to hand people club sandwiches around robots. <laughs> And like it was, it was absolutely absurd. I have never seen a bunch of people who take their job too seriously. What's the most tops you ever worked in your life? Like tops, tabletops, man, get with it, dude. You bring food to people and a little math. This is not a huge deal. Just give me the job or don't. Uh, I have a fuck. special place in my heart for Rainforest Cafe. I'm not gonna fuck lie. Them. Uh, I never want them as a sponsor unless they actually want to sponsor. Uh, yeah. <laughs> 1990 television. Um, here's oh, here's another uh, big so time lady. So excited about something we were going to talk about. I did so much research. I know. I can't wait to talk about dork. that. I'll breeze okay. through okay. SNL, Candace Bergen, and the Notting Hillbillies. Well, that's a band I've never heard of. But it, I, oh. this is notable in that Candace Bergen uh, becomes the first ever woman in the Five Timers Club in 1990. She's hosted SNL five times. Wow. Uh, something no woman would do for, I think, another 10 years, either Drew Barrymore or Tina Fey. Um, and those are the only women, <laughs> um, and Melissa McCarthy. And also on TV this week, something that makes me angry for some re- weird reason, uh, the return to Green Acres TV movie. Mm. I resent knowing anything about Green Acres. It just bothers me. Too. me. It's, not, it's not my nostalgia. I didn't like fucking hillbilly television. Yet I, I know the theme song, and I know the premise of the big city people moving to the farm, and I had oh. to read about this movie. They moved back to New York, and need to go back and say, I'm not going to watch this fucking movie. It's on YouTube. You're free to do so if you're a maniac. It's one of those horrible theme songs that just like one verse gets stuck in my head over and over and over again. And it's farm living is the life for me. 
Cape Manhattan, just give me that countryside. Why do I know this? I don't like this at all. Never watched it. I just adore a penthouse view. (laughs) I hate it. I hate it so much. I would have rather watched Hands of a Murderer, a TV movie with Edward Woodward. That is way too many wooden words in one name. And John (laughs) Hillerman. Uh, What is this about? Uh, It's It's a Sherlock Holmes. Okay. And uh, f- yeah, but Ed- Edward Woodward, I'm liking, is a Sherlock Holmes. That's that's good. Remember, he's hmm. he's the guy in Wicker Man. Oh, I do love Wicker Man. Yeah. Uh, and the the Falcon Crest finale. Oh. <laughs> I, I just I don't, I, I don't even know what this is. I just imagine my mom being excited by all the men's with their shirts half open. Is that what this so, is? Uh, sort of. I mean, Lorenzo Lamas is in it. Yes! Um But this is like part of the holy triumvirate of Dallas Dynasty and Falcon Crest. Rich people doing outrageous things, basically. Yeah. Um, but this soaps. is this is the end of kind of starting to be the end of the era of that sort of rich people porn nighttime soaps mm. where now we're starting to get more into like legal dramas and medical dramas and stuff like that instead of just watching people throw drinks in their faces which yeah. we'll come back to on reality when we shows. get back to reality tv exactly yeah. but uh but this one happens to be set in a wine family basically like in napa yeah. valley mm. yeah and starring jane wyman that's ronald reagan's ex Oh, la la. Nice. Yeah. Way to go, Gipper. Um, <laughs> and then I think the biggest show in town this week on television. Uh, oh, Diana, how do you want to handle this? You, you, you handle this one. Whew. I don't know where to start with this, except the more I thought about it. Like, okay, so this is a finale that makes so many lists of best finales yes. ever. I always say don't and... overthink your finale because this is the best one. You won't yeah. be able to do this again. Yeah. But part of the reason why it's so great is... We the nineties, we didn't have a lot of postmodernism in the eighties and nineties. We had a little bit, but we had nothing on the scale of the Newhart finale. Yeah. Yeah. Now Newhart was a show that ran for eight seasons, uh starring Bob Newhart and uh Peter Scolari and a bunch of other people, and it's about like the wacky people in this little town and Bob Newhart runs like an bed inn. breakfast, yeah. Not to yeah. be confused and- with the Bob Newhart show. Right, where he played a psychotherapist that was back in the 70s. So Newhart uh, is going off the air. It's popular. People like it, you know, but it's it's finally run its its course. And the last bunch of episodes, it gets wackier and wackier and wackier, where because it's, you know, after the 80s, Japanese businessmen have to come in and buy everything. And they buy the entire town to turn it all into a resort and golf course, but he won't sell. But everyone else, all the yokels in the town all sell out. So in the last episode, they all show back up and they're rich now. (laughs) And he's trapped in this hotel that's like in the middle of the golf course and no one's coming. And then finally he gets hit on the head with a golf ball. He wakes up in bed and he's the character from the Bob Newhart show from the 70s. Now, listen to the audience because you will hear two waves of applause. The first wave is people recognizing the set they're on and then the second wave is everyone else understanding the joke. Wow. Ah! (laughs) Honey. (laughs) Honey. Honey, wake up. You you won't believe the dream I just had. Mm. (laughs) Don't you want to hear about it? Bob, 
What is it? Well, I, I was an innkeeper in this crazy little town in Vermont. I'm happy for you. Good night. No, nothing, nothing made sense in this place. I mean, the, the, the maid was an heiress. Her, her husband talked in alliteration. The, the handyman kept missing the, the point of things. And then there were these three woodsmen. But only one of them talked. That settles it. No more Japanese food before you go to bed. This is this is like so ahead of its time. Clever and oh I, yeah, and just like mm-hmm. I don't know. Like, did Sarah? Did you get me Bob Newhart's album? Like, I really am developing yeah. appreciation for Bob Newhart. I uh, he's one of my dad's favorites, so we we have a big love of Bob Newhart in our family. And, and you we can do. you can see him just sort of coming up with this idea, and it's just so silly and out there, and it's just yeah. wonderful. That people oh, apparently it's his this. wife. His wife came up with this wow. idea like a couple of years before. Mm-hmm. So that's Suzanne Plachette, mm-hmm. played his wife on the show. And, that's, and that was people losing their shit at the set and her appearance. Like, right. what the they fuck see is the happening? Set and like, oh, shit. And then she pops up and they, oh, my God. Yeah. So the entire Newhart show was a dream by the character from the Bob Newhart show. It's so wonderful because. Which makes uh, everything on Newhart. No matter how stupid, makes it hilarious again. Right. And just because, like, I think, <laughs> you know, we had talked about the Seinfeld finale. It, it's like if it's like if New Adventures of Old Christine ended and uh, uh, Julie Louis-Dreyfus woke up in Jerry's apartment after being hit on the mm-hmm. head and the whole show. <laughs> like that, that, but it's like the Seinfeld finale gets a lot of shit because there was, like, so much pressure riding on it because, like, just because it wasn't a normal sitcom, most sitcoms end with a marriage or a graduation or something mm. Like just fucking corny, and we knew mm-hmm. Seinfeld wasn't going to do that. So there's all this pressure, like it has to be the best finale of all time. And and the idea that Bob Newhart, they, the writers knew they were going to eschew that and just get weirder and weirder because we're not going to give you a satisfying resolution to a sitcom. <laughs> what the fuck are you expecting? Let's get as crazy <laughs> as we can think of. And it's like this: when Bob Newhart dies, I guarantee this episode will be in his obituary. Oh yeah. yeah. Tying his two shows together in such a clever way. And I, it's just one of those things. I'm like, I'm like, wow, no one can ever do that again. <laughs> no one can ever do this again. This is so clever. No, I, no. Whenever they do that, it's a reference to this now. There mm-hmm. have been a whole, so many times where this has come up as a bit where someone wakes up and, oh, that was a dream. And possibly Bob Newhart does a guest appearance. <laughs> so that's still part of the joke. And I, I, Because, I, yeah, it's 1990. It's just, it's not, we're not meta yet in 1990, okay? Mm-hmm. <laughs> People don't do this sort of thing. People on TV shows don't point out they're on TV shows. Right, and I, and I, there's all these things that can't really happen again, like Bob Newhart starring in two incredibly popular sitcoms that took a bow before they were ruined. Uh, mm. That he has two of those. Most people never get two of those. Most actors yeah. never get to star in two sitcoms with their names in it. Um, yeah, it's, and I mean... Bob Newhart show is the superior show, and I miss that, you know, Nick at Night. That's how I ended up seeing that, mm-hmm. and like Mary Tyler Moore and stuff. I have a free idea for all network executives put on a retro night because you have Real. no television right, right now. Mm-hmm. Just oh. do like, here's our lineup from 1972, and just oh my do god, it. that would be amazing. I, I would watch commercials. That. I, I, I would watch that. Put some of the regular the commercials from that time period in there too. Apropos yeah, nothing, SCTV nineteen ninety six. Do it. Other than me doing my buddy TL's uh, Fresh Prince podcast, uh, I ha- I found a tape and it was like NBC or something. They just in a time before the internet and DVDs, they're just like, hey, 
tonight we're going to just show the first episode of all these popular shows in like their sixth season. I'm like, thank huh. you. I have I have no access to this ever. <laughs> like, I have no access yeah, to the first cool. episode of a television show. And I just like, like why not just do that right now? <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> like, yeah. help catch everybody up. I, I'd watch yeah. just to see it, the first it, episode of something that's 10 years old. Yeah. Yeah. But either if you've never spent any time with Bob Newhart, both the Bob Newhart show and Newhart are both just adorably silly with tons of good character actors. Mm-hmm. And they are just and because he's just a great straight man because yeah. he's just he's just so normal. So mm-hmm. schlubby. Love Bob Newhart. Uh, got to get into the music of 1990, May 15th to the 21st. We got some new releases. Uh, Young Lions by Adrian Ballou. Circle of One by Oletta Adams. Living It Up by George Strait. Uh, Lock Up the Wolves by Dio, 10 by Y&T, and Ice Cube's solo debut, America's Most Wanted. It's got three Ks in America. I don't understand what he did there. Um, Very get it. (laughs) uh, Vogue by Madonna is number one, as it should be. Um, This isn't the Dick Tracy song, is it? No. 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 That album, I want to say, is like next week. We have these songs from and inspired by Dick Tracy ahead of the fucking insane release. That Madonna album was so big, you forget there's another album of Dick Tracy music where Ice T raps about Dick Tracy. It's fucking wonderful. (laughs) Wow. Oh my God. Yeah. I think we're going to have to dig through that for the most embarrassing tracks. Mm -hmm. But you guys, if you haven't seen the show Pose. Oh, so good. It is really good. And the entire second season is basically about Vogue. <laughs> well, even more, if you haven't seen Paris is Burning, that well, is also, yeah. yeah, amazing. I have not. Too. Ooh, it's yeah. a documentary about the ballroom and Vogue scenes yeah. in New York. But, yeah, Pose, Pose is about, uh, you know, drag balls. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, the second season takes place in 1990, right, as Vogue comes out. And they're like... Oh my God, she's like shouting out our culture. This is a big thing. You know, voguing is from these underground clubs. And now, like, we're getting all these, like, straight people are showing up huh. to the club and they want to learn how to vogue. And you know, this is our moment. This is not a it's thing really I know. Ah, <laughs> oh, so good. I didn't even yeah. know it was a real right. thing. Like, I, I just knew you put your hands over your face and, like, like you're hiding it from a baby. That's, that's all I know. That's <laughs> sure. All I know about vogue. No, uh, you're striking pop- a pose. Mm. Plus, it's one of the best music videos of all time. It's pretty good. Oh, yeah. Gorgeous right. music video. Directed by David Fincher. Oh, shit. There God. Again. Yep. God damn. Well, we're going to close out with Madonna's Vogue, but stay right there, people. There's so much fun stuff to talk about in 2010. Stay right there. Hello, fellow nerf herders. Did you not like Last Jedi, Rise of the Skywalker, or would you just prefer a majority of Star Wars fans take a slow walk into a volcano? What I'm saying is, are you sick of Star Wars? Well, I thought I was, but my co-host Jeremy and Adam beg to differ. Except when they don't. Get ready for a whole lot of love, a whole lot of hate, and a whole lot of geeky therapy in our new series, Sick of Star Wars with a Big Giant Question Mark, exclusively available at patreon.com slash laser time. Here's a little taste. My monkey. I think when, when the new Star Wars now, movies have done well, it's with giving you things you didn't know you wanted. And well, no one I knew was asking, like, I wonder how badass Yoda was. I'm like, ah, I'll probably get a 
fucking comic book at some point we can see what he could do. I specifically remember my friends and I as a, as a kid before this movie came out being mm-hmm. like, imagine Yoda fighting. And like, oh, it would suck. It's like, no, oh, I bet it'd be awesome. Like, no, oh. yeah, I, I, like, I, I, I hope everyone's heart is that. in their dick because where's Yoda yeah. going to stab people? <laughs> I think I would have enjoyed it more if he wasn't screaming as much. Yes. Like, yes. If he was just like focusing more on fighting, I, I don't know. I think I would have appreciated it more. But it's just like so ridiculous to hear Yoda screaming. I know, and it, it does sound like Fozzie coming. Yeah. Because right. <laughs> it came well, out. Well, now it does. Yeah. God damn it, dude. Well, there's another reason I'll watch this piece of shit again. Oh, that's Sick of Star Wars, available exclusively at patreon.com slash lasertime, along with weekly bonus shows, over 100 movie commentaries, exclusive bonus podcasts, and more for just five bucks. And that's in addition to the brand new show, Sick of Star Wars, an angst-ridden podcast saga told in nine parts. Listen long and prosper. This is so wizarding. Coming in 2000 with Lucky by Britney Spears, the second single of Oops, I Did It Again, and I would posit she almost botched the whole Britney thing with this awful song. I can't stand this song. This song is awful. I don't think I'd ever heard it before. Uh, I'm not a fan. Yeah. It's not one of the good ones, honestly. Oof, man, it's, I'm, I'm, I'm glad she, I'm glad she, whatever it takes to get her to Toxic, I hope she does it, because uh, that song rules. Uh, we got some new albums out this week. 2000, May 15th to the 21st. DJ Quick, uh, that's Quick, like the chocolate milk. Uh, Balance and Options, he says, from not recognizing DJ Quick. Uh, Binaural by Pearl Jam. Irresistible by The Temptations have an album out in 2000. Yeah! I will accept the dad joke in their uh, irresistible, that is two words, blick. Uh, The Ever-Passing Moment by MXPX. Farmhouse by Fish. I Got That Work by Big Timers. Let's do it for Johnny uh, by Bowling for Soup. You're not going to get me to listen to Bowling for Soup for, with an Outsider's reference. Ugh, nice try. <laughs> NYC Ghosts and Flowers by Sonic Youth. Resolver by Veruca Salt. And We Are Motorhead by You'll Never Guess. Motorhead. Maria Maria is still number one. God damn it, Santana. <laughs> still. God damn it. Uh, what will knock it off? What will claim the spot and finally Ooh. get rid of Santana? And what did Santana do? do with his money that guy wore the same hat for like 50 years <laughs> he's, he's showing none of this money this we have talked we've mentioned santana every week for like the last year god damn it santana <laughs> yeah. yeah combined I mean, it's almost half a year between the two of them it's i think 24 weeks yeah fuck me fuck santana i don't want to say that santana you're a lovely person uh 2000 um, of 2000 news, I like bringing this up. Prince announces he changed his name back to Prince. It's been a symbol hey, since 1993. Yeah. And I remember, because, you know, I'm absorbing most of my news through like comedy monologues. And Prince is not necessarily reclusive. He just talks when he wants to talk. And, and everybody made fun of the symbol thing as an act of pretentious art. And mm-hmm. he's just like, no, my label wouldn't let me record under my fucking name. And that's what, yeah, he had, he had a label dispute and he didn't yeah. want, and, and like, no, it was a fuck you to the record company. And like, that's way more awesome than any of you monologue people gave it credit for. Oh yeah. That, that's, yeah. That's he was just like, he, he had a deal with Warner brothers and he 
I it might have been just a strategy to get out of it of saying I am no longer the artist prince and therefore I don't have a contract with you. Yeah, it was. It or was, and then it just became a protest thing of like, no, no, I'm trying to make it as hard as possible to market my stuff because I don't like you. Man, I'm not Prince. I I want to talk about Prince forever, and especially not the first movie on this list. Um, uh, yep. <laughs> movies of 2000, uh, May 15th to the 21st, because there's not a lot of that's going to get the kids excited these days, like a movie set in one room starring businessmen and Kevin Spacey. But <laughs> that's what this movie is. It's why I didn't want to. Yeah. When Sarah's like, oh, bottle movies, I'm like, this is like all Kevin Spacey did. I didn't know we'd be talking about it so soon. The big kahuna. That's true. Uh, like, he, he loved to, he loves the theater and he loved to be in play movies where there's, it's just one big scene. And I remember ha- having to endure this a lot on uh, free HBOs. Up the Villa, yeah. up at the Villa, starring Kristen Scott Thomas, Sean Penn, and Anne Bancroft is also out this week. Fuck me, there's a yeah. lot of movies out this there's week. There's a lot of movies out this week. Yeah, Big Kahuna, mm-hmm. it's like, it's okay, you know, if if you like stagey things. Uh, up at the Villa is trying, it's, it's an adaptation of a W. Somerset mom book, and it tries to open things up. And um, it's okay. I mean, it's like 1938, and we're at a fancy Italian villa, and Christian Scott Thomas and Sean Penn are going to have an affair, and and Bancroft is there as a princess, and it's like, yeah, it's Ooh. it's very uh, awards baity, mm-hmm. baity, not entirely <laughs> successful, but it looks pretty, and that's the important thing with some of those movies. Mm. Uh, I just want to spend time with those people, man, and, and then. Uh, so another. Uh, it's time for our annual Woody Allen movie. Uh, uh, Jesus Christ! Can, yeah, let's we have see. to cover like three a year because we do three different years. Well, We're always having so many fucking Woody Allen movies. Can we have a more problematic segment? So Hugh Grant, Elaine <laughs> May, Tracy Ullman, Woody Allen, small time crooks. Uh, this is one of the better ones of latter day comedies. Mm-hmm. I would say um, it's pretty cute. It's got a conceit that's kind of like the producers. In that uh, Woody Allen and Tracy Ullman are a couple and they rent out the storefront so he can like tunnel into a bank next door. Oh. And as a front, she starts selling cookies and I, then the cookie yes. business becomes successful. Yeah. I remember yeah. this, even though they stole the plot from Short Circuit 2. Uh, uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, I well, it, I mean, it's been done a couple different ways. Like, it would be better if it weren't Woody Allen as the lead because <laughs> Tracy Ullman is really good and Hugh Grant's actually pretty funny too. Mm hmm. Mm-hmm. But uh, Woody Allen can be very distracting being Woody Allen. So What did, what did Ned Flanders say? I like Woody Allen movies, but they always have that nervous fella in them. In- <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I was going to say, if he actually did steal the plot from Sir- Short Circuit 2, is that very surprising considering it's a kid's movie? Oh, come now. Ooh. Oh, come now. Come now, Sarah. We have, we have fucking dangerous territory to walk into with our next film. I need you on your yeah. best behavior. <laughs> for, <laughs> for Kathleen Turner... Uh, America's Rose, James Woods, uh, A.J. Cook, Josh Hartnett, and Chris- Kirsten Dunst. Is this Sofia Coppola's directorial debut? Yes, The it Virgin is. Suicides. So much has been said about the girls over the years. Those girls have a bright future ahead of them. But we have never found an answer. Her act was a cry for help. I heard it was an accident. Even then, as teenagers, we tried to put the pieces together. We still can't. We got a full tank of gas. We'll take you anywhere you want to go. About time. We've been waiting for you guys. This fucking song. Oh, my God. It's the most (laughs) 2000 songs ever. I forget what it is. Let us know in the comments, please. Uh, The Virgin Suicides. I didn't... Critics love this movie, and I think it kind of sailed over my head as a Mm. man entering his 20s. 
But uh, yeah, what did you guys think of Virgin Suicide? This got great reviews. I love it. Yeah. Yeah, I really liked it. And I was very resistant to Sofia Coppola. Uh, I was going to say... like. All the reasons you can imagine and then some, because later this year, we're going to talk about what she was up to 10 years earlier. And it is embarrassing. No, no. Oh, my God. Her. Le- yes. I, I, I like just as from human being to human being like eh, nepotism, your parents are rich. But like, I am so glad you defined yourself in the public's eyes in another way than starring as Al Pacino's daughter, because that was that is excruciating to experience. Oh, it's oh my god, it is rough. And so, yeah, it's sort of like, oh, Jesus Christ, can't you just take daddy's money and just go be like whatever the girl version of a Playboy is? Well, like, daddy, really, you gotta. Daddy you doesn't gotta know how to daddy. make a movie without financing the house, so I don't know that daddy yeah. does have any money at this point. Well, daddy gave her money, and she made this movie, wrote and directed, and turned out, oh shit, no, that's what she is good at. Mm. Yeah. She can't act. But this she can is, write and direct. Okay. So this is based on a novel by Jeffrey Eugenides, whom I love as an author. And uh, yeah, I mean, she read the book and she was kind of obsessed with making the movie based on the book. She loved it so much. And then she found out that it was being developed by someone else. But apparently that script was terrible. And so they went with hers, Whoa. with her idea for it. Um, and like all millennial young women, I love this movie. I don't think I think it's part of our like DNA to love this movie. Um, What's even a, can, though, you, can you bo- in a nutshell what it's about for uh, for people like me and other people listening? Sure, yeah. it's about a family of is it five women, five young women? Yeah, yeah five girls who it's set during the seventies and they're very beautiful and blonde and their parents are James Woods and Kathleen Turner and they're very strict parents. And these girls live like a very sheltered life and very cloistered. And one by one, they start to complete suicide and nobody can really figure out why. Cause it's very, they're very mysterious. And there's a group of neighborhood boys who are kind of obsessed with these girls and, and, obsessed with trying to help them and getting to know them and just figuring out like what is their allure what's so like why do we love them so much and mm. i don't know it's just it's more of a almost like a tone poem of a movie like mm. it's more about images i think and music and all of it coming together than about like story mm-hmm. I would yeah say. um yeah. It's a look and a feel more than it is no, like a everything you're a saying plot. is like why I love Lost in Translation. But I think yeah. as a, an unnuanced boy, this this sort of flew over my head. Right. Mm-hmm. Well, and I'm kind of shocked to hear that, honestly, because I feel like this would be right in your wheelhouse of like, you know, it's very filmy. It's very indie, like, you know, <laughs> cool people know about this. And then it's like a great movie to show a girl and get in her pants because it's like very, it's very beautiful. I uh, use cruel intentions. And- Works Almost every time. Yeah, I mean, that one's like a no-brainer. Yeah. <laughs> this, this movie, which I only finally saw like a couple years ago, it reminds me so much of Picnic at Hanging Rock, which is a movie I love so much mm. because it's it's kind of the same thing. It's like there's a bunch of girls and they're being repressed and they're sort of like the coming of age and sexually awakening. And as that happens, they get repressed more and more and more until it's just a pressure cooker. Mm-hmm. And you don't know what's going to happen next, where it's like this could go so many different ways because the, the forces that are trying to repress them are actually making things worse, not better. Mm-hmm. You know, if they were actually given some freedom, things would work out maybe. But this normal, th- these normal teenage feelings start turning into like insanity because they're being like shoved really hard back down. Mm-hmm. 
And with the virgin suicide, I mean, I, I, I said there's like not really a story here. I mean, I think the the idea that's being explored is that you know when you are controlling people this much, their last form of control is their control over their own bodies and lives. You know, yeah, and so, that's I mean, kind of major trigger warnings. Obviously, yes. it's got suicides in the title. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, I yeah. think we know. Yeah, <laughs> disgusting virginity. Um, and all yeah, the it's not metaphor. all the performances are great and as much as i hate to say it james woods does a great job as the dad and kath and i mean i love kathleen turner so she does a wonderful job as well um but yeah all the acting is really really good i just really enjoy it the narrator is giovanni rabisi which was driving me crazy until i finally (laughs) looked it up and i was like of course that's his voice like duh it sounds exactly like him. And the music is fantastic. So the French band Air did the soundtrack to wow. it. But then also all of the music. Is it diegetic music where it's like playing music on that's screen? like playing on a record player yeah. like in this? Okay, yeah. All right. of that music is also really good because it's just all the best songs from the 70s. Mm. So the music throughout the whole movie is just absolutely fantastic. Yeah, it's it's a moody one but yes. yeah i'd say recommend oh absolutely Damn. yeah all right at least it's a it's a week with a lot of diverse movies in theaters if you didn't like virgin yeah. suicides because yeah if that's for something for the the millennial girls i feel like the millennial guys are getting represented next yeah with uh, i love <laughs> I, I love being represented by fred ward uh <laughs> i love that i really do love that man i'm sorry uh, Andy Dick, Anthony Rapp, uh, Rachel Blankert, DJ Quo. <laughs> Sorry, I just like announcing him like he's about to spin. Uh, Paulo <laughs> Costanza, uh, t- uh, the the last remaining patience the mainstream world had with Tom Green, Sean William Scott, Breckenmeyer in Road Trip. Road Trip. Sometimes when you go to a movie, you walk on your head. It's really stupid. And probably the one you're about to see, you're going to walk on and say, that sucked, you know? Not to ruin your night or anything. But, I mean, the one that I'm talking about, the Road Trip, that one's going to be really good. You're going to gonna walk with a big smile on your face. You're going to be like, remember the part where the car blew up? It's, uh, it's good swearing in it. It's got nudity in it. Touch my chest. Like boobies, like when you see girls' boobies and, and boys' bum bumps. <laughs> no touch her. This is so surreal. Cause what is this? You're, this it's, is it's the road trailer. Trip. They it's ran trailer. in theaters, and it's Tom Green telling you why you should see this movie. Just him oh talking God. to camera. And it's, it's, it's how I remember it seeing so this. Weird. It's how big Tom Green was. He's narrating. I went to go see this movie because I love Tom Green, and he is like little more than a framing device in the film. But do yourself yeah, a favor and look yeah. up the poster. They have he is enormous. Like <laughs> if, if he's if he's built to sell this film, why isn't he in more of it? Because he has almost nothing to do with the entire film. Uh, that is just four friends traveling on a road trip in shenanigans. And I don't know. Yeah. This, uh, they still make this kind of movie anymore. Road trip should always be a thing. Uh, yeah. It's one of the few oh, things another... you, can, you can do during the quarantine. Sometimes we just drive to a different state for it's no true. reason. Uh, yeah. <laughs> but then you got to turn around and come back. You can't true. like stop over. Take a different anything. route. But, yeah. Then take a different route back. That's true. We have yeah, done this so, twice. Uh, <laughs> I mean, it's a wacky. It's a sex comedy. It's wacky where, oh, no, I sent my... A uh, long distance girlfriend, the sex tape accidentally. Now we got to rush to try to get it back. Remember, the, wackiness the, ensues. Paul Rudd's in a movie like this. There's like three movies with this fucking plot line. I, I walked out like mm-hmm. as an again an unsophisticated twenty year old who didn't like Virgin Suicides and also didn't like this. 
And wanted more Tom oh. Green. And more Fred Ward. God damn it. Mm-hmm. I love yeah. You. I love you, Remo Williams. It's weird to see Anthony Rapp in this because he's like more known for Broadway. He was in the original cast of Rent. And um, I think he did a little bit in Hamilton, he, but I can't remember. But yeah, he's a Broadway guy, so it's very strange to see him in this movie. <laughs> okay. okay, he's not the Kevin Spacey yeah. kid, is he? Yes, he, he fucking is he the is. Kevin. God damn it! Oh my I'm god, sure. they've got movies out against each other. <laughs> I'm pretty sure he is. Yeah, well, I know who won. So uh, yeah. yeah, in the short term and the long term, Road Trip is out this week, and now. It comes time for one of the most bizarre films I've ever seen. It's just so surreal. This cast, by the way, is is wonderful to read aloud. Della Reese, <laughs> Joan Plowright, Juliana Margulies, uh, Peter Segaros, Samuel Lee Wright, Hayden Pinatiera, uh, Max Casella, Alfre Woodard, Ozzy Davis, and st- starring D.B. Sweeney. <laughs> God, how old was Hayden Panettiere then? Yeah, in, in the teeny well, tiny thing. What they used to I say, to call like, her Hayden Panettiere. What, <laughs> what they used to say as the forty-second animated film from Walt Disney Studios, Dinosaur. It's number one. Walt Disney Pictures presents. We have a visitor. A story of friendship. What is it? I don't know. We gotta get up and hold. Stand together. Dinosaur. This this fucking movie is so surreal to me. Um, it, it's I don't know. How did, did anybody anybody have any? I asked people earlier. Anybody have any fond memories of the movie Dinosaur? We're on a we're on a call with people. Does anybody have any fond memories of the Disney movie Dinosaur? And uh, my girlfriend's friend says. Is that the movie where the dinosaurs don't talk? I'm like, no, the dinosaurs very much do talk. And if you walked into a theater, having seen the trailer, you were shocked by that because the trailer is not only silent, it's also another ballsy measure of like the trailer is just the first two minutes of the movie. I 100% thought that the dinosaurs did not talk. Right. Like it's, it's, it's as jarring as that Tom and Jerry movie when Tom and Jerry start talking. And, and, and obviously that was the idea originates with the fucking producer and Paul Verhoeven of RoboCop on the set of RoboCop, a, a, a movie about the the like the death of dinosaurs told through their eyes silently as we watch them with the newest animation technology. This 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 was the most expensive movie made this year. It is unadjusted. It's the most Ow. expensive Disney movie made up at this up until this point this is disney's first cg film mm-hmm. like need i remind mm-hmm. you coming out in between the tigger movie and uh and and something else it, but it is somehow like completely lost to time and i think that's just disney got the wrong message from cg and like the success of toy story and i i swear i remember pixar being on this poster and they're they're now a race but they wanted people they wanted pixar vibes cuz pixar movies were making so much more than disney movies at this point um, it, it's they the the memo they got is that people want real, and I wish I was in the meeting room. Say no, they don't. People like this movie <laughs> because it was about toys, which are not real. And and <laughs> speaking toys, so like, and they all the backgrounds in this movie are real. They are shot yeah. on camera, and then they have this terrible CG. <laughs> I mean, it looked really good at the time. It does not hold up as well. The, the opening still it's looks pretty astonishing. good. It's pretty good CG 
by today's standards. For 20 years ago, 20 years ago, it was astoundingly realistic. It was astounding hmm. realistic, but then, like, I think, again, defaulting, I read Roger Ebert's reviews, like, then they just ruin it by, like, adding fucking celebrity voices to it. And and mm. I guess somewhere D.B. Sweeney was a celebrity, and it, it, I, according to Roger Ebert, uh, it it you ruin that realism by by adding childish voices to the, the occasion. When you when you read about the original concept, like yeah, a slow foreboding look at the death of the dinosaurs through their eyes, cool. And and yeah. so you get the story of this weirdo iguanodon who makes friends with fucking monkeys, and it's just. It's thoroughly unappealing, and I think even more so than like Atlantis and Treasure Planet, this movie is thoroughly lost to time. It gets broadcast mm. nowhere. Nobody cares about it. Mm-hmm. Nobody loves it. It, it. I find this movie wildly bizarre for something the world was, and I can remember how excited people were for Disney finally going the Pixar route in that original trailer. It, 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 I watched it so many times. It was astonishing. But th- this movie is, I think, as a result of realism being its goal it just looks dull it's dull it's a dull looking film the whole time and everything it tries like especially to pigeonhole yourself if you read about the the new air quotes live action lion king like they built that fucking movie in in the Fortnite engine so they could move the camera around in virtual reality disney went out and, and had multiple camera crews shooting real locations kind of pigeonholing them into those sets and scenarios. Do you see what I'm saying? Like, instead mm-hmm. of creating a background from scratch where you can move the camera and do whatever you want, you're mm-hmm. kind of like setting yourself up with creating diorama sets that you're going to shoot in real life in Hawaii and in, in, in Thailand and Florida. I don't know where they shot this in Florida from my memory, but like <laughs> a, a thoroughly unappealing movie. And I, I think Sarah's behind me on this. This this movie is the basis for the greatest ride in Animal Kingdom. <laughs> agree, agree, and yeah. agree. It's, it's it's true. It's the only legacy this left. And when you go in there, it is truly bizarre. Why is mm-hmm. Wallace Langham of Veronica's Closet and <laughs> and Larry Sanders show introducing to me this? It's a reskin dinosaur ride with the DB Sweeney Iguanodon. Uh-huh. It, it opened a year, a year or two earlier. It's just a straightforward dinosaur ride, but they reskinned right. it to dinosaur. And it is everything I love about the Harry Potter ride is in mm-hmm. this Countdown to Extinction ride in Animal Kingdom in Orlando. It's just a super fun dark ride that just like careens you basically throughout an area that is just like yeah, decorated you- so well. Not decorated, but it's dressed perfectly. Like the animatronics are great. I absolutely love the. It does that thing ride. where it's it's a dark ride, but you're not sitting down on a train. You're right. suspended in the air and therefore thrust into a bunch of things. So like that Harry Potter moment where you're just pushed in the face of the Dementors. That's all this ride is with dinosaurs. Yeah. It fucking rules. It's it, super fun. And then, and then you're reminded like, thanks for coming, everybody. I'm DB Sweeney, the Iguanodon, <laughs> and like, oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> they shoehorned this fucking old ass, this twenty year old movie into this ride and it's it's pretty awkward but you can ignore it but it just i I don't know it's fucking surreal i love it i i love that ride so much and what is what is it that you what do you call it in a ride where you're like standing in the holding area and they're like tell you the premise of what's happening 
I, mm. I don't know. That, but, yeah, that the, was the same before they reskinned it. So they really did like the laziest like changing over because that same Veronica's closet guy is in it, and I'm pretty sure Felicia Rashad yeah. is also oh, part she is. of that too. She, she yeah, is. she plays his boss. That's like they turn they turn now. this ride with dinosaurs. Like, no, you're looking for the star of our new film, and like, oh, that's why he's not in any of the rides. <laughs> And, yes, and and that's he's at the very end. Thanks for finding me. Like I had no freedom of movement, but you're welcome. And, <laughs> and, <laughs> it's 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 the it's one of the weirdest pop culture things in history, and it was mm-hmm. so expensive, and it made double its budget. And if you know what that means in terms of Disney marketing dollars, that means it failed miserably because it was mm-hmm. incredibly expensive and didn't do billion dollar Lion King money, mm-hmm. and and and. Mm-hmm. It, and it was in. I remember, like Disney sort of backed off for a little while of on CG. Like the, we just don't get yeah. it. That's not our territory. But right. again, the, the memo they got was real. Everybody wanted to see something real, and they're fucking wrong. They were wrong, wrong, wrong. <laughs> <laughs> you know that happens. It does. It happens. It does. It was. I, I think you can maybe call it a noble failure. I just like. Please tell me, Paul Verhoeven is in this this credits of this Disney movie. But apparently, they came up with the idea. <laughs> Uh, him and his producer on RoboCop while shooting RoboCop. I don't know. Come on. There's got to be a YouTuber who can tell me the story in full. But uh, Disney's Dinosaur. I I, I am hard-pressed to think of a more forgotten Disney film. Mm-hmm. That, no. That isn't even egregiously bad. It's just that like it's doing things that other animated dinosaur movies have done much better. Uh, Land Before Time, obviously, up the top of my head. Mm-hmm. Uh, and And... It's it's yeah it's not it's not bad in in Atlantis way it's just it's just dull it just looks dull yeah. we're learning we're learning but all right two thousand right. television who's ready Who, this is know? a huge night in television it's, this is oh a big gosh. deal so finales 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 were, were people setting Let, their TiVos or were they able did they have to time their VCRs I don't know I think it's still, we're still in the VCR I'm, era. You, you I'm could, still you, timing my VCR you could yeah. not watch all the finales this week that occur because it's a ton yeah. It's a ton. And so let's start out. It's a big week for Aaron Sorkin mm-hmm. because we have the Sports Night series finale and then we have the season finale the next day of the West Wing of the first season, season finale, what kind of day has it been? Which Aaron Sorkin calls at least one episode of each of his series at some point, what kind of day has it been? It was the Mm. season finale for season one of Sports Night. He's done it for all of his other series, too. It's kind of like his little calling card. This is the first Um, season finale? What? First season finale? For Sports Night, yes. And now, a year ago, it was called What Kind of Day? The series finale for Sports Night. Series finale right. for sports. Uh, West Wing is is it the first season of West Wing? And the first season yeah. finale of the right. West Wing, the assassination yeah. attempt. What's crazy is that both of these episodes are directed by Tommy Schlamy, who is Woo. like Aaron Sorkin's go-to TV Not director, like one of his favorite guys. Absolutely his favorite name, or absolutely his his name, and my, one of my favorite names of all time, <laughs> Tommy Schlamy. Tommy Schlamy. But uh, yeah, the Sports Night finale, I was very sad to see Sports Night go. Uh, I thought I loved the concept and I really thought it was just fun and interesting. And it brought me Peter Krause for the first time, which I'm very happy about. Something about it feels (laughs) and and, uh, noted criminals, Felicity Huffman. Uh, yes, true. <laughs> and right. and, and yep. the, Sports Night, I've wa- I've tried watching it again. It feels a lot less special, but it it really yeah. was at the time just like a oh, yeah. all talky 
like very very smart and emotional uh, sitcom about and like is never about sports like because I fucking hate nah. sports and I love this show <laughs> and it has the it's worst a- kind of finale where it like oh we're getting another season here mm-hmm. the the studio's getting bought and sports night could be shut down and then Clark Gregg turns up and like saves the network and it literally ends with a to be continued <laughs> no and, and and never is summer. Yeah, yeah. I, it does a great job of if you are a sportsy person, you get to have like a lot of fun sports talk as part of your uh, sitcom, which is great. If you're not a sportsy person, it still talks about the great parts of sports, you know, the like human spirit and all of that stuff. And so it's a, it's oh, a great it, show. And, I think, and before anyone. the newsroom, like little moments of journalistic integrity. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm not talking about Michael Jordan's cologne for half an hour. Fuck him. <laughs> <laughs> Cancel Michael Jordan. Yes. And I will never forget <laughs> my favorite moment of sports night to this day is Jeremy fainting while on a hunting trip for a hunting segment. He's like, this is not sports. Yeah. To, to lure a deer <laughs> out and it. shoot it in the face while it's drinking water. None of this is athleticism, gamesmanship. <laughs> it's just mean. And, I love and, and that like, speech, and I great. think about it a lot, and I have to agree with that. Um, one of the things that – so Aaron Sorkin is so often up his own butt that, like, it is kind of – sometimes it's great. And in this case, it's like the perfect alchemy of the thing. He's telling us this is very important, mm-hmm. even and, – and you're and, – maybe a lot of people wouldn't think like, oh, sports are that important, but he kind of shows you that it is. That's great. West Wing, he does a very good job of saying this is very important, and it is actually very important because it's, you know, the presidency and which used to be a very dignified and important job. <laughs> Even when someone's elected named Jed. <laughs> yeah, Jed. Well, Jedediah. So, right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but then it fails spectacularly when he says, this is very important, and it is fucking snl <laughs> like you know ah uh, yes studio 60 who could forget Ooh, it's burned in my brain just, just let so, me trust you that they do funny sketches when i'm not looking and don't show me the funny sketches you think yeah. are funny sketches because that's that hurt me a lot <laughs> it's very very bad this is a this is a great first season finale and i, I only second about the west wing now. yeah the second yeah. season finale mm-hmm. is still my favorite like the fucking president smoking in church like, yeah. <laughs> like yelling at God by himself was awesome. Right. Yeah. But the, uh, an assassination but attempt of his great. life. A couple shows have done things like this. Like, well, what happened in the assassination attempt? You had to wait an entire season mm-hmm. of, mm-hmm. of, of mm-hmm. <laughs> gotta wait. You had to wait, wait till the fall, and then you find out. Well, who got hit? Because yeah. somebody got hit. Got hit. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Did everyone get hit? Did nobody get hit? What happened? Mm-hmm. It's. So good. It's actually when I do West Wing rewatches, it's a very hard thing for me to say. Um, this is usually actually where I start. Oh. I don't love a ton of the first season, um, okay. specifically because I just, Mora, Moria, what's her name? Mara Kelly just mm-hmm. gets under my skin so much. I can't. You don't like Toby telling her. off that airplane person? There's no way my cell phone will bring down the, the plane. They work yeah. on different waves, and I know everything, and you don't because I'm You Aaron mean Sorkin. this thing I, I bought from Radio Shack? <laughs> <Yes>. Yeah. <laughs> A Radio Shack mm-hmm. reference in the first episode. I love mm-hmm. it. Um, but mm-hmm. so this is usually where I start because this is where I feel like it gets really, really good. But I also have to say for 30 2010, this is a big week for character actor Michael O'Neill because he plays oh. the head of the um, Secret Service 
And so he has kind of a big role in this West Wing. And then he has a huge role coming up in 2010 that we're going to talk about as well on TV. But he's one of those, hey, it's that guys. If you look him up, Michael O'Neill, you'll know exactly. He's been in everything. Is he the guy who's got he's got a mustache and like no lips at all? Yes, he kind of is a he Michael Bolton looking guy. Mike, not Michael Bolton. Oh, please, Who's Michael Bolton. John Bolton. John oh. Bolton looking guy. Yeah, not quite so bushy a mustache, but right. yeah, he, he plays a lot of government agents. He does. He does. And he's great. Yeah. Um. So yeah, The West Wing, this, if you want to go back and start rewatching West Wing, I would say there are a couple of episodes that I would cherry pick from the first season, and then I would just start here and go on. because. Okay. This and then the series, the season premiere next year, so great. So Mm -hmm. we'll get into it. We'll get into it. I had no idea watching Billy Madison that the villain in this will become one of my favorite actors of all time. And I uh, (laughs) love him so much. (laughs) I had no idea. Josh is one of my favorites of all time. Uh, what what is that actor's name though? Bradley, yeah, Uh, Bradley Whitford is, uh, one of my favorite actors, and I was often teased mercilessly in high school by my girlfriends because I had a huge crush on him. He was one of my <laughs> people, and they would always say, the bad guy from Billy Madison? Yeah. You have a crush <laughs> on him? And it's like, I know him from the West Wing, and yes, I do. Thank you very much. <laughs> well, I, it's also that, like, uh, of anybody on – well, not of anybody. I think Mark – a bunch of people in the West Wing were really their characters in real life. I think Martin Sheen – noted lefty being one of them Mm. but like bradley whitford is that person and if you ever listen to the left leftist radio network air america he would come on al franken show i think as this character (laughs) i forgot about that it was uh, like he was always he was playing a character but it was and it was always it was fucking hysterical he would do it in front of a live audience Here's some, I have such affection for him. Here's something to, to transition to something I don't care about even slightly. But but you made me think about it with when we talked about Falcon's Crest, the mm. the the television prestige one hour drama mm-hmm. are are things that like live in infamy for people who watched it but don't get syndicated and resonate for further generations. And mm. for for me, it, it is bizarre a show as watched and beloved as Beverly Hills 90210. Dude, I had, I was shocked to see it on this list. Like, this was alive in 2000? I was Are you very crazy? surprised to see that as well. Yeah. Like, a show I loved for a second in middle school is still on the air? Like, when I'm, like, I'm almost done with college? That's crazy. 300 episodes, 10 seasons. Fox being Fox, like, all of their early hits, they kept on the air forever, including The Simpsons, which is still on, but... Everything ran like about 10 seasons from your Married with Children's to your Cops to your Beverly Hills 90210. And just like, dude, this this hasn't – no one cares. I don't know anybody who's ever talked fondly about this show in my life. Uh, uh, I, I remember lunchroom are, conversations. Yeah. I the mean, time. there's a lot of people, they look back on it fondly, but they had to have been around to watch it originally. It's not yeah. a mm-hmm. show that, you know, uh, someone who's 20 now necessarily can go back and – pick up i mean i right. guess maybe through streaming i don't know if it's streaming in entire in its entirety it's, it's, it's not I only streaming there's a sequel why... there's, there's a sequel show that i've never heard of <laughs> yeah there's a sequel oh, show yeah. no no not there's only two, a remake two sequel shows yes there's two sequel shows one with the original mm-hmm. cast one like with a new young cast yeah but there's like 300 episodes because it went for like 10 years yeah Fo- so... fox latching on to its hit i have a little promo maybe it'll tell you something fun <sighs> 
I will never let you down. Ten years passed in a heartbeat, but the final two hours will live forever. David proposed. Oh my God! Now reunite with old friends and witness a wedding that was written in the stars. I thank God every day that you were brought into my life. I can't picture a time when I wasn't in love with you. This is your chance to say goodbye. The final 90210. Oh no! Wow, that is so <laughs> dramatic. You like the Madonna I love music? it. Uh, yeah, and I love that Madonna song too. It so also, much. I, I don't know what this phenomenon is called when a show's on for so long that all of its leads quit, and <laughs> and, and you're you're left with only the losers and new people. <laughs> mm-hmm. And like I was Which, like, only Ian Zaring and Jeannie Garth stuck this show out the whole time. Like everybody from fucking Tiffany Amber Thiessen to Gabrielle what's like they all like bounced here and there and everybody came back for the finale with the exception of Shannon Doherty oh you're so naughty Shannon Doherty they don't even want you back <laughs> for the finale uh, I, again I feel like I'm like nobody half the listeners don't know what I'm talking about <laughs> yeah yeah I mean I I remember my cousin who is like I think she's like three years older than me that was like perfectly her wheelhouse, you know, this like really hit for her. But for me, I was just a little too young for it. I've never seen a single episode of this. Wow. So, yeah. So yeah. it just never. No, when this came on, I was right at the right age yeah, and everybody watched this because I was I don't know, 13, something mm-hmm. like that. Everybody watched it. And so I immediately eschewed it because I don't like things that are popular. Because I was just a little contrarian. So I never really got around to watching it. I would see it occasionally and I would like hear what was going on. Right, just everybody. Because you're I, watching the Bob Newhart show instead. The, the, the exactly. Big, the biggest shakeup. There's. It's all these like you know fucking metrosexual Beverly Hills rich kids. And I'm growing up in the South. And there's one character on the show from the beginning who is from the South and wears a cowboy hat and boots, and he's the best. <laughs> and then he twirls a gun in an episode and shoots himself in the face and dies. <laughs> and that that like. I feel like school almost ran the flag at half mast when that happened. Like that's how important the show was. Like the world stopped when Scott died. Um, oh no! Oh, yeah, goodness. I mean, it just it seems like it's all interpersonal drama in the and very special episodes. Mm-hmm. You know, where they address an issue with a character who's never seen again. Yes, and they marry off Tori Spelling and Brian Austin Green, two people who didn't have the power or clout to quit the show, and. Mm. <laughs> I hate, I, I don't know. Like, it's one of those things that, like, I wish I had that time back. I wish I was building, like, Legos or writing something <laughs> during watching Beverly Hills 90210. Uh, but Must See TV has a big night for TV romance, according Hell to Hell yeah. So, this is huge. In uh, Friends, the one with the proposal, <gasps> this is one where uh, Chandler proposes to Monica. And wow. it's actually pretty good. It's actually pretty touching. Like, I I think that uh, as far as TV show proposals, they did a pretty good job with this one. Even with the cliched fake-out situation where Chandler pretends he never wants to get married. And then Monica, oh, my God, what's happening? And then she leaves him. And then Chandler's like, oh, my God, what have I done? And da-da-da-da-da-da-da. But Tom Selleck does make an appearance. And I always like it when he shows up in uh, Friends. I always liked his his character. Is he someone's dad? <laughs> Huh? Was he no. someone's dad? Who was he? No, he is the love. He's one of the love interests for um, Monica. That's disgusting. I'm just kidding. They're they're like he, four years apart in age. <laughs> it's kind of weird because, uh, yeah, he was like 
Elliot Gould's best friend, and then they started dating on the mm. show. Yeah, it's, yeah. It's, 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 it's so wonderful because they're both two television actors who still appear on television to this day with unnaturally dark hair. <laughs> <laughs> Courtney Cox, Frazier did something uh, uh, similar, according to you. Yes, a big, another big one. This one, something borrowed, something blue. Daphne is about to get married to Donnie, I believe it was his name. Um, even though she found out a couple episodes before that about Niles's true feelings for her and that mm-hmm. he loves her, mm-hmm. and she's very conflicted about it, and it is very, it's just. Do I marry this do? gay man or not? I. <laughs> and then, uh, so this is her wedding episode to Donnie, and at the very end. She and Niles run off together in a Winnebago. Lovely. Lovely. Um, And and, SNL this week, one of my favoritest yet weirdest hosts of all time. Mm -hmm. Ladies and gentlemen, Jackie Chan hosts SNL for the first time. First and only time ever. I just had a clip of the promo you might have seen. It's just still incredibly weird to me. It's if you're watching, if you were watching Friends, you saw this. You know, SNL airs its promos live. Like those are what? Yeah, they would air these promos yeah. live, for real. Like they shoot, they shoot them live. Uh, like so, they yeah. look live most yeah, of so, the time. And 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 this one's probably one of those. It's Jackie Chan and a famous SNL character who got a movie that most people don't remember. Uh, Leon the the love whatever. Hi, I'm Jackie Chan. Jackie is hosting Saturday Night Live with Kid Rock. So that's interesting. In your country, weighing means something else, huh? <laughs> that's the ladies man the right? ladies man yes yes uh the yeah. ladies man uh and and the monologue i okay look i don't need to apologize for this anymore if you've been listening to the show i'm an snl nerd i love it when history is referenced jackie chan takes credit like i'm the only i'm the first ever martial arts star to host <laughs> snl and i and even watching this clip i'm like no you're not there was one other guy that is historically I want to do a whole episode of Laser Time about how awful a person Steven Seagal is. Um, <laughs> and and it, SNL has kept under wraps like problems with a lot of hosts until years afterward. But the the anger, the seething anger to Steven Seagal was immediate. He's a he was apparently awful to work with, made people cry. Kept pitch, pitching a sketch about a woman who was raped and went to see a psychiatrist, and the joke being that she's lying and psychiatry is fake. Like. Can you what? stop pitching? Dude, Steven Seagal, Steven, Lorne Michaels on camera acknowledges Steven Seagal in SNL as the worst host they've ever had in the history of the Ugh. show. And, and Jackie Chan, while Jackie Chan is making this claim, he's the first martial arts star to ever host SNL. Will Ferrell comes out dressed as a familiar character, and it's just <laughs> a needlessly mean clip, and I love it. But I think I'm, unless I'm the first martial artist to host uh, Saturday Night Live. That's the only thing that's a hot Jackie Chan. Mr. Seagal. What are you doing here? You think you're the first martial artist to host this show? <laughs> that's bullcrap. I hosted nine years ago. Oh, I bet you're really funny. Because everything you've done is a joke. Dude. <laughs> I love that. It's evidence how much SNL hates Steven Seagal. I love Steven Seagal. Good. Oh, it's so much fun. Oh, enjoy your enjoy your citizenship in Russia, my friend. Uh, of growing up, Brady, a TV movie premieres on the twenty first. With a oh yeah, rather, and it's not what you think it is. I know we just talked about the 
Brady, the return to Green Acres version of the Brady Bunch, no, this is an adaptation of Barry Williams' memoir mm. about being on the Brady Bunch. So mm-hmm. it's a biopic about the Brady Bunch. And I, I believe it was Sarah outlined the cast here because it is notable. Adam Brody and Kelly Coco Cuoco from the, the BBT. Uh, and she, this is little baby Adam Brody's first role. Right. He's first acting role. Playing yeah. Greg Brady. And uh, yeah, growing up Brady, the, the scintillating story of behind the scenes on the Brady Bunch. Critics rave. Growing up Brady's filled with shocking revelations. First year in love with your sister. Now you're dating your mom? Oh my God. Growing up Brady. NBC Sunday at 9, 8 Central. I'm still not even clear on all that behind the scenes horse shit. Like uh, Barry Williams claiming he had a relationship with his on-screen sister and mother. Like, mm-hmm. this isn't true, right? None of this is true. <laughs> it's 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 all built to sell books. Yeah. You know what's weird is I could only find this, like, brief little ad, mm-hmm. but I found a longer ad from Nick at Night basically saying, so, you're off watching that Growing Up Brady TV movie, you pigs. Well, when you're done yeah. with that, we've got real Brady Bunch. Yeah. You can think wow. about how they're probably fucking behind the We're scenes. We're over here with the, with the true fans <laughs> watching old <laughs> yep. Brady Bunches. Yeah. It's one of the weirdest things. I I've, don't see a lot of ads referencing. You're probably off watching some other network. And when you're done with that, come home to mama, baby. Why? <laughs> I had I had a thing like I love uh, Adult Swim's bumpers, which are like mm-hmm. made up to the minute and like very uh, topical. And and the Nick at Night stuff was too. I I didn't ever see a television saying like we're canceling this show. Au revoir, Mister Ed. Let's say goodbye. And we'll <laughs> never show Mister Ed again. It, it, anyway, uh, video games. I know we say this like every couple of weeks, but I truly miss Nick at Night. Well, it's still there. It hasn't gone anywhere. It's just all the shit you were alive and watching, and it's I know. doesn't have the same appeal. No, I miss like Munster Mondays. And, yeah, me too. You know, uh. Laverne and Shirley Thursdays. However, they Mary Tyler Moore Wednesdays. How they all did all that stuff. I really miss that. I think. Well, I mean, if I'm being honest, my my, my SNL fandom uh, before Comedy Central landed the reruns and like basically defined their network with it back in the day. Nick at Night was famous for for playing SNL again, and like my parents were like, "It's eight o'clock. You have to see this sketch, this cone." And they would mm. like bring me into the room to watch SNL from the seventies, and that's how I got introduced oh, wow. to it. Nick at Night, and it disappeared immediately because Comedy Central is like, "We have a comedy channel, and we want to run SNL." I believe at the time, I think it was seven times a day. <laughs> seven <laughs> times a day, Comedy Central used to run SNL reruns. E, but uh, E used to also run comedy, um, SNL, They too. did. They, they forced Comedy Central to buy Mad TV, which means I would never have seen Mad TV unless <laughs> E bought SNL. But uh, video games of 2000, there are more here, but I want to go into bigger detail. I'm just ushering in Bomberman Max, a, a Game Boy Advance game that's out this week. We will talk way more in depth about the video games on uh, uh, on Patreon.com slash LazerTime with the Video Game Apocalypse boys. And we're going to need to because the next segment is fucking brimming with some of the most notable games of the entire generation that was the ps360 but let's close out 2000 with heavy things by fish because diana is a huge fan tell me more about fish diana yeah <laughs> i don't know this got actually airplay like i actually recognize this song uh it, and, it was uh, weird when I, my- I do love the dead I have never caught on to fish. Sorry. When my friend was like, you got to listen to fish, man. I'm like, okay, fine. And he gave me hoist. And I'm like, I don't like this. But now all of a sudden I recognize 
every one of the real world's rejoiner themes. Like that's <laughs> that's all from Hoist, the first three seasons of Real World. Uh, but I yes, a terrible terrible music. Uh, but <laughs> we'll close out with Fish, and we'll be right back with 2010 in one of the greatest underrated comedies of all time. I moved to where they'd hoped I'd be. Do you like Video Game Apocalypse in 30 2010? Well, the Laser Time Patreon has figured out a way to combine the two over at patreon.com slash lasertime. We've taken a month's worth of 302010's games from 30, 20, and 10 years ago and grabbed the hosts Michael Raparez and Matthew Allen from Video Game Apocalypse. And with our combined three decades plus in the games industry, we found a great way to take a deep dive into the biggest gaming anniversaries of the month. Here's a recent sample. Because Double Dare NES is allegedly out this week for NES, and I know at least Brett and I would we'd see this game be like from Game Tech, because there weren't many places to hear a video game publisher said out loud to you. I remember like not until like podcasting with Michael, like a oh bump and jump, that's Vic Tokai, and like this is the first time I've heard that name out loud from anywhere other than my head. Oh. <laughs> they would, like yeah. like Nintendo would say from Nintendo, and I think Jalico would be like from Jalico. If it weren't for Nickelodeon's Double Dare, I never would have heard a, a human being say the word Game Tech. And Game Tech is this bizarre California publisher that specialized in adaptations of television game shows. I did find multiple YouTube videos that are just uncut Double Dare prizes from the obstacle course. Harvey, tell him what you'll win that Mark Summers will say. And Harvey, one of the most satisfying views. I'm just going to play a random snippet. Fabulous new car. Drive your family right onto the beach in your new Cherokee from Jeep and Sport. <laughs> <laughs> you and eight-year-old will win. <laughs> so, in addition to weekly bonus shows, over 100 movie commentaries, exclusive specials, you can get the 30 2010 Video Games Edition, celebrating a month of important gaming milestones every single month at patreon.com slash laser time in exchange for just five bucks. And you'll support all of the Laser Time shows, including Video Game Apocalypse, right guys? Yay! Hello, Mr. and Mrs. Internet and all the ships at sea. It's time for Diana's Classic Corner. We go even further back in time this week to see if there's anything worth a watching. And for the week of May 15th through 21st, oh man, I have stacked up, lined up a bunch of recommendations, just one after another, 10 years apart each, so let's let's get moving. 70 years ago this week, 1950, saw the release of In a Lonely Place, which is a noir kind of drama, sort of, starring Humphrey Bogart, uh, that I believe he produced, he said is one of his favorite movies, and it's... Uh, Intentionally or no, it's actually a pretty good depiction of what it's like to be in love with someone who is emotionally abusive uh, because it's about a writer and his problems and he might be involved in a murder and then he starts writing with this woman and he acts really erratic. Uh, Yeah, but I thought I'd mention it because, like I said, Bogart said it's one of his best movies. So, yeah, shout it out. And then 10 years later, 60 years ago this week, 1960, saw the release of 
a big step forward for horror, but one that not as many people know as, say, Psycho from the same year, and that's Peeping Tom, which is a creepy little movie about a guy who is a voyeur and is obsessed with filming people, and is also obsessed with sort of filming them as they die, or right when he kills them, like, with his camera. It is really moody and was banned in a bunch of places because of, you know, sex and violence and totally worth a watch if you like early horror that's especially more creepy, not grisly. <sighs> and then another 10 years to the future. Uh, I can't recommend The Landlord directed by Hal Ashby just because I haven't seen it. It's one of the only Hal Ashby movies I haven't seen. It was released in 1970, so that's 50 years ago this week. But uh, every Hal Ashby movie I have ever seen has been outstanding, even the ones that aren't as popular. So uh, I'm just going to throw it out there. Uh, if you haven't seen The Landlord, I think I'm going to watch it this week. And then 40 years ago this week, 1980, May 21st to be exact, saw the release of the best Star Wars thing that ever Star Wars, The Empire Strikes Back. Yay! With John Williams's best score ever written, Don't At Me Bro, and a cool downer ending. And if you're feeling, I don't know, sick of Star Wars or bummed about Rise of Skywalker or something, just put on Empire and just crank it up, man. Everything about that movie works like hell. So those are my bizarre recommendations for this week. Uh, in a lonely place, peeping Tom and Empire Strikes Back. Sure, why the fuck not? And that's it for this week. Stay classic. Got me like, oh my gosh, I'm so in love. I found you finally. You make me wanna say, oh, 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 my Coming in 2010 with OMG by Usher featuring Will I Am. It is number one this week. And even though, come on, OMG, is that a little desperate? Is Usher doing a dad thing? I don't know. Uh, <laughs> Usher's age, ageless. Uh, but it's, he's not Faithless, who also has a new album this week. Uh, 2010, May 15th to the 21st. The Dance by Faithless is out, as is This Is Happening by uh, LCD Sound System, uh, as well as Emergent by Pendulum, Infinite Arms by Band of Horses, Brothers by the Black Keys and the uh, arc. I know the arc android by Janelle Monae. Oh double woo. Yeah, double woo for Janelle Monae. Yeah. Oh, that album is very good. Mm. Yeah. I horses. love Janelle Monae. Why not? I'll I'll give some love to them. I had that album. Uh, twenty ten. Welcome to twenty ten. And I'm so happy because I get to talk about one of my favorite underrated comedies ever. Uh, but first, we got to talk about The Secret in Their Eyes, a movie, according to I was Diana. Gonna say, if you think The Secret in Their Eyes is a wacky comedy, what the <laughs> fuck is wrong with you? It is like a detective murder mystery during, you know, uh, authoritative governments in Argentina. And it got an English language remake that uh, isn't as good. But mm. yeah, original El Secreto de Sus Ojos. That's, yeah, go for that. Mm. And we also have Holy Rollers with Q-Tip, uh, Ari Grainer, uh, Justin Bartha, and Jesse Eisenberg. Man, I can't imagine all these people in the same movie. Yeah, and it's about Hasidic, or, or it's about Orthodox Jews who get involved in the drug trade. Oh, it's based on ooh. a true story. Okay, I was, I was going <laughs> to guess roller derby, but okay. Yeah, no, I, a lot of the, unfortunately, a lot of the reviews were saying, like, it's kind of by the numbers plot wise, but that is a fun idea. Uh, that wait, and that really happened. Or Orthodox Jews, you know the black hat and beard guys, but mm -hmm. drug dealing. Okay, sure. 
Um, Let's get past that because we need to get to the movie. Yeah. I know Chris wants to oh, talk about. It, I'm so excited. I appreciate you putting in cast members like Mark Henry and Chris Jericho because this is one of the most significant WWE movies outside of the WWE film label. Uh, yep. The big show who gets my fucking gold star achievement. My God, <laughs> what a great scene in this film. Uh, Maya Rudolph, Powers Booth, Val Kilmer, Ryan Filippi, Kristen Wiig, and Will Forte in fucking MacGruber. MacGruber! So, MacGruber, we understand you recruited quite a team. Frank Corver, Tanker Lutz, Tut Beamer, Tug Phelps, Vernon Freedom, Vicky St. Elmo. MacGruber. I'd say it's a pretty good team. Underestimate this man. Where'd he be? I just took an upper decker in the master bathroom. Upper decker? Yes, where you take a number two in the water tank and not in the bowl. You look great. Man, I fucking I really like this movie. And Me too. It, it's yeah. it's easy and hard to recommend just because like uh, Yeah. I, I'm I get pissed just like I love Saturday Night Live so much. And almost every era had its chance to be in films. I, with mm-hmm. apologies to Tim Kazarinski and Joe Piscopo. But, <laughs> but every other like cast era has movies that it got to star in. And as far as like the fucking Jason Sudeikis, Will Forte, Kristen Wiig, Maya Rudolph era, this is it. This is the only this one they it. got. This is the first yeah. SNL movie in 10 years. And it's the first, it's the last SNL movie for 10 years. And we have not gotten yeah. one ever since. And, it just to me like the thing that went off in my head rewatching it like why the fuck why the fuck Lorne Michaels can you not make a movie that's rated R based on an SNL property like that's that could have gotten everybody in for all of these well, you, no matter how bad they were well I I dug into that because watching that I was like well this is not just an R this is a hard oh, very very oh, yeah. hard R and oh, I yeah. looked into it to find okay Blues Brothers and Ladies Man are both R yes because they say fuck a language. Times. It's, it's just for language. There, this has some nudity and violence and really disgusting dialogue. Yeah, and I was not expecting how hard an R this was at same. Because technically, same. this movie shouldn't exist. It's based on a sketch, which is a very, very mild and dumb joke about MacGyver. All the sketches are like two minutes long. It's the only sketch that was turned into a Super Bowl commercial because you can literally preserve it it's commercial <laughs> in, length in yeah. that length of time it shouldn't have been made into a movie and like when i think about it like yeah this is an odd pitch like if you know the mm-hmm. sketch why would i want to see a whole movie about that okay it's not about that then what is it and like it's a parody but it's not really it's actually like an upfront action movie yeah during several portions of it what it what it is what i like describing it as is a will forte vehicle and i am someone mm. who loves i don't see him enough these days but like if you love the the last man on earth and yeah. uh like his sketches on the tim and eric show like that fiery angry impotent rage narcissism self-involved character that will will forte does so well it's fucking perfect i don't know that the character of mcgruber was well enough defined out of this movie it's just a will forte movie that's also well, an action movie that's also a comedy it's also so funny that that is Will Forte's forte. Yeah. Because uh. if you hear him on podcasts where he's just there as himself, he's not the best podcast guest. He's not the best just doing his own thing. I think because, you know, 
this character, this like pompous, like angry, just out of control type of character that he plays in other his vehicles is just so out there. It's just so strange yeah. to see him like in a podcast interview or something. Just be like, yeah, just kind I'm of. I'm just a regular. normal everyday Midwestern boy. Yeah, it, it, just it's kind well, of boring. I think his trajectory is like <laughs> not unlike Jason Sudeikis. They were writers. They don't. They didn't have performing tra- performance training. Uh, like a lot of other SNL people do. Like hmm. Will Forte was a writer on that 70s show and okay, did, didn't appear that. on screen. And and yeah, and, and sort of fell into performing via SNL. And like, I fucking love him. He's one of my favorite cast members. And mm-hmm. MacGruber's one of my favorite movies because it's like a very fun and clever send up of the action film while still being a fucking legitimate action film. Like yeah. there, there is wonderful violence and explosions and shit oh that happens. Oh my god! Very violent. I mean, yeah. graphically violent. Yeah, directed by one of the Lonely Island guys. Who like, dude? Yeah. Th- this Yorma. Yorma. Yorma Takome. Is that his name? Takome. Um, yeah. But it's not even the other guy who usually directs all the Lonely Island movies. It's the Yorma guy whose butt I saw in Girls. And right. uh, <laughs> and having and, sex in a very strange way. This is, but this is, this should be everything we should have wanted from an SNL movie, like a really hard R parody of a film type rather than an expose of a character. Cause there's not much to know about MacGruber. He's just, in in this movie, he's just wonderfully awful. He's a terrible human being. So, (laughs) so awful. And we do get the tiniest bit of backstory, but really it's just to create a reason for the bad guy to hate him, which he never understands. That might be my favorite that joke was, in the whole thing. That was the clip thing. I got where like, is this uh, why this is rated R? That I, I didn't actually get it, but it's the one I wanted to get. Like, I don't know why Kunth, Val Kilmer's character's name is the C word. Essentially. Yes. <laughs> so this, could, this can't really yep. be run on, on television. And he's like, I don't know why he's got a hair up my ass for me. You know, we went to college together. I uh, I ended up dating his girlfriend. She was pregnant with his child at the time. Of course, we had to terminate it. I'm like, wow! This yes, is, I, this I is convinced so- her to get an abortion. I don't know why he's so mad at me. I don't know. <laughs> like, wow! Like, like this is this Ooh. that shocked me yesterday. <laughs> well, and even the scene where you find that out, like, is such a funny send up of those exposition scenes that they have to do in um in action movies where you do find out the backstory but it's like kind of in a very forced way then they just lay all this information on the audience and the audience stand in which is usually a co-star and so brian felipe like is just hearing him do, do this backstory and his his comedic reactions are very good i was very surprised to see ryan just tell me what you want me to fuck yeah he he held himself his he did this play the straight man very well in this i I do that to my every girlfriend i've had since 2010 i will suck your dick (laughs) suck your dick so good uh yeah and this wow i i'm trying to think of a sex scene more uncomfortable. <laughs> it is so uncomfortable. And then and it, first it seems like, oh, it's a sexy sex scene. And then it becomes a deeply uncomfortable sex scene. And then it keeps going. And then you're done. You're like, oh, thank God that horrible. And then another one starts right after. Like, oh, God damn it. I thought I'd escape the uncomfortable fucking sex scenes. MacGruber fucking the ghost Ooh. of his dead wife in front of all his Ooh. friends is one yes. of the funniest things in cinematic <laughs> history. And it's it's one of those reasons why like you need SNL needs an R rated place to play 
Because have you yeah. like every time they simulate sex, it's like weird because like the sensors like no thrusting, none. <laughs> like don't don't thrust when you're having sex, and and like yeah, it's it's funny to think of pick any two SNL cast members of any gender. It's funny to watch them pretend to fuck, and that we've been denied that up until MacGruber makes me fucking mad. Mm-hmm. And, and, and then we can see him t- fuck two SNL cast members. Yeah. <laughs> it's great. And it's, it's super so one. uncomfortable. Yeah. So uncomfortable. One of the things I really loved about this too is that it was so dirty and so over the top. And like I found myself laughing out loud at both the dirtiest, like most shocking, hilarious like pieces and jokes and then also laughing out loud at the like most non-dirty the cleanest just like more most slapsticky like not could be run on cable sort of jokes too it's all good is what i'm trying to say Mm -hmm. like it's not just like oh it's so funny because it's so dirty like there's also really good stuff in there that's just straight up funny that has nothing to do with the shock value yeah him and reading face. critical yeah. reviews of it, and you know, critics aren't always the kindest to comedy. Uh, yeah, it's it, it just that, like, well, is the movie about a guy? The movie seems to start out with about a guy who's stuck in the eighties and is obsessed with the eighty. It's never about that, like ever. Yeah. Like he's a very modern character, and it, his backstory almost makes no sense whatsoever. And <laughs> he no. is, and he isn't a modern character. I think. I think what's funny about it is that nobody really questions it. Like that's not really a running joke um, with the other characters in the movie. I, 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 nobody's sorry, like, "Why does your hair look like that? Why does your cell phone look like that?" Like nobody <laughs> questions why, it. Why are you they, listening to the the Toto song that's not Africa in yeah. your Miata? <laughs> oh my god! All the music is so good too. <laughs> like and, and I think when I when you read reviews, like it doesn't know what it wanted to be. It's it's a, is it a parody? Is it a send up? And like. You're right. It, it doesn't really know what it wants to be, but it's so fucking weird and delicious mm. and like in a, in a completely different flavor of thing. I like we went through a thing ranking SNL movies on Laser Time. I really at this point would put this way, way higher, like in the Wayne's World Blues Brothers realm, because it's a, a satisfying movie in 20, uh, 2020. This is really up there. It's fucking great. Mm. And, and like I we we. Like, we get nonstop action movies, but not a lot of parodies or comedies based in that field that can be held aloft as both comedies and action films. Uh, I don't know why we don't see more things like MacGruber. I wish more people liked MacGruber and talked about it. And I, I, I supposedly don't have to wonder because the cult cult movies are kind of this shitty... Cult comedies are what makes shitty streaming services make me subscribe to them. <laughs> 911's coming back. Uh, Quib- All right, Quibby, take my money, which I really oh, haven't Quibi. done. Uh, but 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 I want to. And Peacock is launching. Like, I don't want anything to do with this fucking streaming service. <laughs> but then, like, there's going to be a MacGruber series as announced uh, in January. Yes, what? there is for Peacock, the NBC Universal streaming service. Well. I just read this while looking it up. Did mm-hmm. you know that the creator of MacGyver tried to sue? Yes. To <laughs> yes. Stop the film from being released. I have the rights I to a MacGyver it. movie, and he's he's not wrong. The same way, like if you saw mm. the movie Airplane, like those guys bought the rights to a 1950s movie to 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 be the kind of parody they wanted it to be. Like, yeah. and, and, if you watch the 1950s movie, there's huge chunks of dialogue. Yeah. Like, like it's, just lift it's it. It's immediately 
the same. And, and this, like, oh my god, it's there's, the same. There's a cut of this movie with all the cast that like, yeah, this would work as a straightforward MacGyver movie. Like it it actually only makes sense as as a MacGyver movie. It really does. <laughs> like a, a legitimate MacGyver movie. In terms of like a guy who's been frozen since the eighties and can only solve the solve things incorrectly or with like weird uh concoctions of things that make explosives. Yeah, this is for all intents and purposes the MacGyver movie you might have wanted, but with way more swearing and celery stuck in butts. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I love MacGruber and I really want you to as well. That's what I'm saying. I'm done, ladies. I'm sorry. No, yeah. don't apologize. I 100% agree. I'm glad I'm glad yeah. you felt this you guys felt the same way. Like it's how how can something shock you as being dirty that's 10 years old? And this movie manages to do it with a bunch of people you yeah. recognize, including Val Kilmer, who I don't like. I really Val Kilmer was a notorious Sarah and I were talking mm-hmm. earlier, but Val Kilmer now is like Jesus, uh, what a mm. brave dude who survived cancer and can't really talk anymore. And before yeah. that, he was an asshole and then <laughs> found his way in comedies in, in a way that I don't think people properly respect yet. Like mm. Val Kilmer is so fun in this movie. He he mm. delivers really funny dialogue villainously. He's mm-hmm. great in this. He's mm-hmm. fucking awesome Agreed. in this. Yeah. Uh there was a really great interview and profile of him just recently published in uh, New York Times, which I would absolutely mm-hmm. recommend checking out because it is fascinating to see what he's been through over the past several years. And he's got some interesting ideas about things. Just put it that Every, way. <laughs> everywhere Val Kilmer goes leads to something fascinating. And mm-hmm. I'm glad this is a, a weird little milestone as Victor Kunth. Can you say it? Ladies, <laughs> you say it. What's his name? <laughs> say it. No, you got it. Is you said there- it. Isn't God. there a Vaughn in there? Oh, Victor Vaughn. It might be Kunt, a Vaughn. Kunt? I don't know. Kunt? Von a, Kunt? There's yeah. a TH in there. It's difficult to say. Don't even try it if you're Japanese. Uh, but <laughs> uh, but MacGruber, please watch MacGruber and give it its due. Because I think SNL SNL has a couple. We I've talked to Dave and Tony. We want to do our SNL yearly review as of this point. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think SNL deserves a theatrical playground ev- like every couple of years. And the cast, I've never liked a cast more than the cast that's there now. And they're overshadowed mm. by a lot of stunt casting and stuff like that. But, man, they should make a movie every once in a while. It would be really fucking fun to see an SNL movie again. Seriously. Like, who is better than Keenan Thompson and, and fucking Kate McKinnon and A.D. Bryant? And, like, yeah. like why, why why can't I see all of them in the same movie right now? If fucking Lorne Michaels, hey, take my money. Take my money. Mm-hmm. Oh, anyway, uh, a movie. Yeah, a mo- uh, yeah, McRibber did not well at the box office. Terrible. Not well with critics at all. Mm-hmm. I could have sworn I was trying to find it because I could have sworn there was some prestige critic that loved it. I know who you're, mm-hmm. you, you're probably thinking of. Yeah. Because I know you and I know uh-huh. we listen to the same thing. It's Scott Ackerman. Scott Ackerman from day one said this movie's fantastic and everyone should see it. He's the only That's not who I was thinking of, but yes, that is he, true. He's he the only human camp. alive. I heard say yeah. that, and 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 I I think I didn't do it on his behalf because I'm just a bored guy. But like, he was the only person I heard championing this movie, and has been for years. It, it it's fucking great. Uh, please check out MacGruber. You want to talk about a movie I've never seen and like weirdly refused to see, and I don't know why. Yeah, I don't think we need <laughs> to spend a ton of time on this next one. <laughs> Uh, number one at the box office this week, beating the absolute shit out of MacGruber <laughs> in a way that's really perfect for a scene of MacGruber. Shrek Forever <laughs> After, like beating up Will Forte. 
Jesus. Uh, Walt Dorn, John Cleese, Julie Andrews, Antonio Banderas, Cameron Diaz, Eddie Murphy, Mike Myers, Shrek Forever After. Forget everything you know about Shrek. Roar! Everyone else has. I've never seen you before in my life. Do I know you? Um, Scott? Shrek, actually. On May 21st. Okay, so let me get this straight. You signed a contract with Rumpel Steelskin, and now you're trapped in a world where you were never born. <gasps> it's light happily ever after meets the Twilight Zone. Dreamworks Shrek, the final chapter. Vamanos! And you are a catastrophe. And you are redunculous. <laughs> in real- I can't hate Antonio Banderas' <laughs> Puss in Boots and, and Eddie Murphy's Donkey. It's hard. But uh, mm. I hated Shrek the Third so much. I'm like, there's yeah. no way. There's no way. I go into a fourth Shrek film, and apparently, it performed better financially and critically. And yeah, we this are... is better. Definitely, Shrek the Third is so so shockingly bad. Hmm. And yeah, this one. I mean, a lot of us just like the script is really uneven. It feels like it was written by eighteen people, and it's like animating things takes so long and is so hard. Don't you want to like have this nailed down? It feels like you're making it up as you go along. Uh, Shrek Forever After, also known as Shrek the Final Chapter, much, much better. Much better. I'd put it up there with, like, Shrek 2. You know, I know people really like to shit on Shrek. I like Shrek 1 and 2 a lot. And this Mm -hmm. one is just, it's it's fine. It's cute. It's fine. I don't, but through my Christmas special blog, like, um, DreamWorks has been pulling a Toy Story thing this whole time, and most people my age don't even know. Uh, they've been doing holiday specials with like a bunch of their film characters, same voices, mm-hmm. and their holiday specials are fantastic. Like Shrek mm-hmm. the Halls is great. Mm-hmm. Uh, like and, and everything that happened in between the third and this is really good. And I just haven't. I don't want to fucking see another Shrek movie. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But even though even though one is coming uh, uh, officially, I don't know when mm-hmm. anything will happen at this point. But like, uh, yeah, it is not the final. We are not done with Shrek. It'll just be a ten year gap. It uh, is one of those things that I find very inexplicable with this young generation that includes my stepson, who is now 13, and their obsession with Shrek and the theme song. It's, it's my only problem. It's so in, in, weird in, in to me. Talking, I don't get it. In talking to your stepson, he doesn't like Shrek. He's yeah. into Shrek-based irony, which he technically right. is unqualified. He's unqualified to like it for that reason. He doesn't I know what remember. Shrek is. He didn't grow up with any it, of that shit. It's one of the things that makes me feel super old. <laughs> yeah, he, I don't understand. He it. loves Shrek irony. The Shrek is love, Shrek is life, horse shit. And and I would be very curious. Yeah, if they put a movie out, like, would he show up? Yeah, I or, literally all I have to do in my house is say somebody, and then I start <laughs> hearing the rest of the song somewhere else in the house. Like that's where we are. It's Shut up, strange. every listener. It's funny when a kid does it. I don't care. <laughs> I don't care. I, everything that your stepson does is way funnier than if I see it on my own. But uh, yeah, he, well, he is true. loves the ironic Shrek love, which was mm. based on hatred, which I can't for the life of me conjure the energy to hold on to. <laughs> yeah. I really can't. Yeah. It's been so long since I've seen like real teenage energy. And when we chaperoned his middle school dance last year <laughs> and All Star came on, I've never oh! seen so many teenagers just lose their mind like on the dance floor. It was I was Sam and I were looking at each other like, what is happening right now? It was wild. That is so Whatever. funny. It makes me feel very elderly. <laughs> that is so fucking That's funny. Awesome. Uh, but apparently the world isn't done with Shrek, and I can't believe this is the thing I have to wait for to see Mike Myers do something again. 
But yep. here we are. <sighs> Moving on to television. Uh, 2010, May 15th to the 21st, Alec Baldwin and Tom Petty, the Heartbreakers, host SNL this week. I meant to grab a clip, but we're already loaded. Uh, Steve Martin appears in a filmed piece, Inside the Monologue, which I love. Steve Martin, Steve Martin is so great as a human love being. Him. And he, at this point, have you noticed he never bothers starring in things? It's just like, I'll show up briefly to play a version of myself and then leave. I'm like, dude, you're so perfect. You're so perfect. We don't we don't need to deal with Steve Martin movies anymore. He just shows yeah. up to be silly for a second and leaves. I love that about he, him. He gave us Father of the Bride part one and two, and they're perfect. So he doesn't need to do anything else now. And a movie I watched last night, I'm going to say in preparation. Did, did we talk about L.A. Story already? That's the best. That's the no. best. It's one of the best movies of all time. Have. It is a 1990 movie. We will talk about it. It's Ooh. one of my favorite movies ever. And you're, if you like Sarah Jessica Parker, you are in for a real treat. Um, but <laughs> but uh, Dave, Diamond Dog Dave Rudden, made sure to remind, my, remind me of this. Ladies, I'm sorry. The Lost Finale is next week. I know. And I, oh, I, boy. I even made sure to like prepare for it because I don't recall another thing another tv show that required me to go over to other people's homes and talk mm-hmm. about the next day at work in the mm-hmm. way that lost did and we are 10 years removed from that so i'm like oh what's happening this week and i just wanted to read this synopsis this official synopsis ben finally takes his revenge on widmore after accepting the man in black's request for assistance jacob explains the purpose of the candidates and jack volunteers to take their place uh, the search for Desmond reveals that he's been rescued and that the man in back black plans to use him to destroy the island. In the flash sideways, each person ends up on their way to a concert. And I'm like, fuck this show. Oh. Fuck this show. Fuck this show so hard. I hate that we have to talk about the Lost finale. Oh, my yeah. God. Like, when you think about Lost, there's one character in that synopsis that should pop up, like, that you care about. Like, I do love Desmond. I'm sorry. But, 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 but everyone else, like... What the fuck was this show doing? This show sucks. <laughs> God, I hate Lost so much. <laughs> I can't even really talk about it because I mean, I watched. Did I watch all of it? I think. I think we, at this point, Sarah and I got piece... to know one another through Lost. Yeah. That is real. It's true. Uh, yep, and it's and true. I got to know Michael, Diana's husband, through talking about Lost as an right. intern at the company we worked at. At this point, though, uh, the in Lost, uh, I think I was so angry at it that I, I we were going over to our friends, the Aaron's house, to watch it. But I don't think I was. I think I was protesting, and I wasn't watching it. I would go over there, and I would just hang out, like on the back porch or whatever, and like read or whatever instead of watching <laughs> this because I was so mad at what it had become. I I cannot yeah. wait to dive down i hate that i have to do the fucking new heart research for lost next week it bothers me so much uh, we may we may have to get the errands to guest on it because they're the only people i feel like who have like really understood lost and figured out what was going on at the end it's not fair they share a brain they revisit things and they can discover stuff it's fucking they're so irritating how much i like how they do that uh gray's anatomy <laughs> airs sanctuary and yeah. the death of all his friends this week this is a two-part uh, f- season finale for Grey's Anatomy, one of the more dramatic 
episodes wherein Michael O'Neill, he's back, y'all, hey. um, plays a character who had showed up earlier in the season who had a wife who um, died of cancer, and he shows up at the at Seattle Grace the hospital with a gun. Mm-mm. And goes on a bit of a rampage. Uh-oh. It's actually quite, it's a very frightening episode. Um, it really is scary and shows how bad that situation could be if that were to come to pass. Mm-hmm. Um, and some main, some characters die. Some Grey's Anatomy's never really been scared to kill off their main characters and or get rid of them in some way and that happens in this episode it's very dramatic and it's great i mean i think Grey's anatomy is a great show especially during these seasons that we're talking about 10 years ago and um yeah i mean if you're into that you know talking about primetime soap operas in Mm. the 1990 segment we talked about those soap operas moving into more like legal and medical dramas that becoming more in vogue. I mean, you can't get a better example than Grey's Anatomy. So, yep, it's fa- it's pretty great. Wow! And uh, <laughs> Ghost Whisperer ends before I even knew what it was. Oh, but- like, I just wanted to shout it out just because it went on for five seasons. I know, I know. And wow, it is. I love Jennifer Love Hewitt. I find her to be um, very charming in her earnestness. Um, and she played the main character who can talk to ghosts has the ability to see and communicate ghosts and she helps them with their issues. And this was, I think a CBS Friday night staple for a very long time for a certain demographic type of person who refuses to delve out into new media. Yeah. Um, and yeah, like I said, I love Jennifer love Hewitt. I love her earnestness. She's on that Fox show nine one one right now. And she's very good on that. So I'm happy for her. I'm glad that she kept working after party of five. Oh, and my bottle episode, friends, that's an episode of Lazy Time that's out. Season one finale of Community, Pascal's Triangle Revisited, uh, in which Britta tells the whole school she uh, at the school dance she loves Jess, and he kisses Annie instead. Mm. Man, I'm watching it out of order. It's <laughs> really confusing. Cause I, mm. They th- have plot through lines that go for a couple episodes. Right. Mm-hmm. And, and But he yeah. also, like, they talk about their feelings in the multiverse episode. Which mm-hmm. isn't real. So, like, I like, oh, fuck, this is messing with me so much. Ugh. Uh, but yeah, community season one ends. And I, if I'm not mistaken, like, I don't think anybody knew the show was going to come back. Mm-hmm. So, if you did, you did you watch this recently in your, your rewatches? As, yeah. as, as, as like, mm-hmm. this could have been the finale. Um, did that occur no, to you? I don't think, no, not really. No, it's no. too much of a cliffhanger. Mm. Yeah. I mean, setting up this love triangle between. Jeff and Britta and Annie. I always really loved the um, way they portrayed Annie and Jeff's relationship because mm-hmm. it is it's much more appealing to me. Um, but and I mean, I'm an Annie, so I'm not a Britta. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> um, but so. she's also a lot younger than him, and he recognizes that. That's not a good idea. And speaking yeah, from experience, Sarah is also a Britta. <laughs> I am not a Britta. Yes, you are. <laughs> Okay, yes, I you, you can be both. Worst. You can be both. I'm the yeah. worst. But I mean, I, I never really bought that whole thing that he, you know, would hold himself back from her because he's so much older than her because I don't know. They're adults. Like, who cares? Uh, yeah. But would you date a 20 year old right now? Yeah. I, I, I wouldn't do it. Uh, no, no, I wouldn't date someone true. who's 19, 20. Well, no. That's the but... age we're talking about. No. 
there. I'll get my groove back elsewhere. Thank I literally you. wouldn't date the girlfriend I was I'm currently dating because she's four foot something. I'm like that girl's too young, <laughs> and like I can't do that. And like, oh, that's your age. Sweet. I'm like this changes. Mm. Why? Why didn't I ask this earlier? And then uh, on the rewatch, the resolution of this, the season two opener was pleasant surprise episode for me one that i didn't remember but then watching it is one of my favorites no one says says how great community season openers are they're always really fun yeah Yeah. Uh, they they resolve this in a really fun way so but it's also uh, something they don't they don't really address and a lot of games and i'm gonna have to get through this quickly but i assure you if you're a patron at patreon.com slash laser time we will go over all these in depth in full um including I know off the top of my head, my two co-hosts have worked on several of these games. So mm. we will talk, and this is just a tip of the iceberg, but it's, it's how many big things happen in games in 2010 compared to Bomberman Max last year. Uh, Bit Trip Runner comes out, one of Dave and I's favorite games. Uh, a mobile game before mobile games. Frogger mm. Returns. Can you believe it? Frogger Returns to DSiWare. A, a fucking platform you should feel foolish if you spent any money towards. Split second velocity. I, apropos of, no, like we were talking, a couple of us were talking the other night about like, Disney's financial situation is hilarious because it's all based on theatrical models and people showing up to cruises and theme parks and, mm. and, and movie theaters and like, ah, shit, we have to like quadruple the fuck down on Disney+. Plus. Like, you wouldn't have had to do that if you kept any of your video game studios open. And mm. Disney's video game studios were not producing Disney games 10 years ago. Split Second Velocity is a racing game. Where, like, for instance, you're racing near an airplane tarmac and you can trigger something that causes plans to lane in the middle of the racing. Tra- it's like, it's all about creating, like, Burt Reynolds moments. <laughs> and, <laughs> seriously, there's, there's several moments just lifted from Burt Reynolds movies uh, that occur in this racing game where, like, a smokestack falls down and you're like, yeah, it's like crazy stunts that occur in this racing game that you can also help trigger, like, you could cause an avalanche on people behind you. So there's no Mario Kart power-ups, but you can bring down a plane on everyone else. Uh, <laughs> it's awesome. I, it's, I know it's backwards compatible. I know I picked it up on Xbox Live Gold. I love this game. It's great. Prince of Persia, The Forgotten Sands. Oh, Very, guess what's coming next week? I, I know. Because uh-huh. <laughs> Prince of Persia, God. the Sands of Time trilogy had concluded. They made a new version of Prince of Persia that I love dearly. And I don't know, mm-hmm. think it performed that well. I don't know if it was destined to die. But a movie that was coming out based on the previous Prince of Persia was coming out. And Ubisoft made a game that's not a movie game, but like is in the same universe as the previous games and the new movie. And then we hmm. just never got another Prince of Persia game. But Prince, of, <laughs> Prince of Persia rules. If you've been listening to Video Game Apocalypse, and you should, if you like games, we were talking about in the wake of this virus, uh, games where you the hero is a doctor. Uh, Trauma Team is out on Wii, and there was a brief period of time when the DS stylus and the Wii remotes led to a lot of fun surgical games. <laughs> they did where you get to play <laughs> as doctors, and uh, Trauma Team is out on Wii. Alan Wake is out on uh, Xbox 360, which is an insanely fun remedy game, I say, as a person just starting to play Control. 
a Metal Slug Double X, a reworking of seven, is out on um, Xbox Live. There's a Shrek Forever After game. Very confusingly, there's a blue, the second Blue Dragon game for the Nintendo DS from the Microsoft published, based on the Microsoft published <laughs> Blue Dragon franchise. And without talking about it too long, but I think this game resonates enough to where, like, even my non gaming lady co hosts know Red Dead Redemption. Oh, yeah. Is important. Oh, yeah. I know it. The second I saw that cover, I was like, you're speaking my fucking language. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That is the Outlaw Josie Wales cover, pretty yeah. much. Yes, yes. And I, I think that you made would, me happy. You would be outrageously entertained just watching certain sequences in Red Dead Redemption. Diana, the last segment where John Marston settles in, it is just, it is the road where the uh, assassination of Jesse James with a cow at Robert Ford, they just recreate that set and you, you get to live there uh, as John Marston. And it's, it's, a thing I think was lost on a lot of gamers, but not people who still consider themselves Western fans. Mm-hmm. Red Dead Redemption is widely considered one of the best games of the last 10 years. It's widely considered one of the best games of this entire generation of consoles. I'm inclined to agree with them. Um, there mm-hmm. were there were two other Grand Theft Auto games, which are very similar from the same company, but there was something very satisfying about the motif and 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 character of John Marston in Red Dead Redemption that I don't think Red Dead Redemption Two captured very uh, as well, but like mm. in terms of what I wanted to do in living out a Western in a Grand Theft Auto style, I cannot believe how well this game worked and and how mm. amazing it is. And if you haven't played it, seriously consider picking it up. If you have Xbox Game Pass, you can pick up Part Two right now for nothing. I love this fucking game. It is really, really, really good. Yeah, this is one of those games where I can just sit and watch my husband play it as a movie. Mm-hmm. It's just sort of a long, meandering movie. It, it, even like, and, and I've seen, and and anytime uh, you know, watching videos of glitches is always it's hilarious. Videos of things that people just stumbled. On. I saw one the other day about uh, guys just dicking around in the woods and comes across a clan initiation. Yep. Hey, so he threw dynamite at him and blew them all up. And you can set them all on fire. Awesome. <laughs> And in, in, in Red, Dead, Red Dead Redemption is so impeccably designed when it goes bad, it's fucking hysterical. It, <laughs> oh it is, it is absolutely hysterical. They're so great. Flying, <laughs> flying horses for days, it's it's absolutely wonderful. And it, in terms, like, I don't love, I think video games have a really hard time with story. And if you've listened to Vagic Apocalypse, most of you don't like that I say video games are terrible at story, but they are. And... They found a way in Red Dead Redemption, even when you're like riding on a stagecoach to a quest, you can have an in-depth conversation with someone next to you that is ripped right out of the best Western you've ever seen. And mm. and, and, and a conversation about and, and why we why I think people love this genre. It's not about burgeoning America. It's about how much the past sucks. It sucks <laughs> so much for everyone. Uh, like black, white, women, men, like the West sucked. Think of everything you like filled with sand <laughs> and dust. That's what it was. It, it just sucked. Like a bunch of people living in the worst time ever. That's why I like Westerns. And, and, and Red Dead Redemption is a wonderful, wonderful like realization of that. Please check it out if you haven't. It will cost you nothing. I swear to Christ. And with that, we are nearly done with our show. You need to stay tuned for our birthday quiz. 
I bet a bunch of you duck out because you don't want to hear our plugs, like patreon.com slash laser time, where uh, people like Jason Walsh help bring the show, make it possible every month and keep everyone paid and keep the equipment up. But uh, keep the hosting and shit up. Thank you very much. Even talking off mic, like someone's got to pay for this Adobe license. God damn it. And I fucking hate it. (laughs) (laughs) Any of you work at Adobe, please help me out because your fucking licensing fees are terrible. Um, (laughs) (laughs) uh, (laughs) Please, like, uh, uh, consider me a student. All my software is from 2003. (laughs) Oh, I I cannot stand it. Please let me put a shadow over Mario's ass for less than $600 a year. Um, but nope, that's what it costs. Sorry. No, God damn it. But that, Can't listen, escape it. listen to laser time. My wonderful co-hosts were recently helped me out with uh, an episode called bottle episode, which not only couldn't have been more appropriate for going through the quarantine. It led to like bottle episodes lead to your most, uh, expository episodes of your favorite shows. Typically, if you will, understand our definition like the idea you will learn more about the characters in those episodes and i didn't realize i I was sort of ho-hum about it when sarah pitched it but then i looked at it and like these are all my favorite episodes of everything like all of them and we we learn so much about characters in the episodes where they're everything is taken away from them and -hmm. they're confined in a small environment it's a really fun show uh bonus time uh hopefully we can get back to that very soon we have sick of star wars a three-hour journey through revenge of the sith Oh man, this show is, I don't know. I don't, I'm terrified by how this keeps moving on. Uh, we have bonus episodes of that for patrons at the $5 level, patreon.com slash laser time. We have a 30, 2010 video games edition for April. Um, it's fucking wonderful. And you can see us descend into drunken madness, uh, <laughs> after what the same thing that's happening to all of us happens on Mike. And it, I, I think it's it to me that that episode is a fascinating relic of two people. I know who are notoriously on task and don't fuck around <laughs> like veering from task and fucking around in a way I never see them do. Um, <sighs> but yeah. Oh, and before we get to the deaths and births, I just want to pimp out that next week, summer officially begins. We've Ooh. got a big movie every decade mm. we we got us some carrie bradshaw coming back uh, uh we got some mish pos too mitch pos and most fun love it the mo- worst and best i've reevaluated um, it i out, love it you want to find out what jackie chan was pimping on snl because it's it's a fun one Ooh. that's coming and we get the finality of back to the future trilogy no shit. It is summertime, bitches. Summer, summer, summertime. Oh, love that shit. <laughs> love yeah. you, Will Smith. It's going to be a long one. There is so much to talk about. Whew. I love when we hit summer like this. It yeah. gets crazy. But uh, consider dropping a dime over at patreon.com slash laser time. I don't mean tattling. I mean dropping $5. <laughs> it would really help us out. And obviously, everyone's dealing with the situation as they're dealing with it. And we don't mean you if you're dealing with hardships right now. Continue listening. Have fun. Um, stay safe. Love you guys. Diana, who be dead during this period of 302010? Oh, man. 21st. It hurts all over. Like we said, in 1990, we lost Jim Henson, who's only 53, mm. and Sammy Davis Jr., who was only 64. In 2000, we lost Shakespearean great actor John Gilgood, who was 96 who has been ruined for me forever by my husband, who says he's the one they call Johnny Gilgood. 
Sorry, that's a good. It's a joke only for us. I feel like. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. And then in 2010, fuck you, stomach cancer, because we lost Ronnie James Dio, who was 67. So if you've ever thrown up rock and roll horns, throw one up for him. Yeah. Dio, time to go. And without further. He's like a rainbow in the dark in my heart. Oh, beautiful. And without further ado, the birthday quiz. Who was born this week? Oh, birthday is a doodly doo, a ding dong doodly doodly ding dong doo. Oh, birthday! All right, another good one. Turning fifty years old. Fifty. Oh, years old. Can't even beat Sarah there, Jesus. And I just want you to know, I am not improving this. I wrote all this down. Just west of Philadelphia, born and raised, May oh, eighteenth, nineteen seventy. Gotta be Will Smith. Nope. No. Oh, west, oh. west of Philadelphia. Oh, in Upper Dobby, Pennsylvania. Her dad was a Korean War vet and a university administrator. She now funds a scholarship in his name, a temple for veterans studying journalism. Oh, so maybe not an actress. Mm. I'm saying nothing. Okay, keep going. Uh, she grew up watching SCTV and cited Catherine O'Hara as a role model. Much respect. Miss mm-hmm. McAllister forever. Ten years ago, in 2010, she received the Mark Twain Prize for Humor, the youngest recipient ever. Tina Fey? It is Tina Fey! Wow, really? Finally! It's been so long since I've been victorious. <sighs> Do you ever get to the part where, so she's, where she's stabbed in the face by a stranger? Yeah, that's... She, yeah, that's... Well, I thought that might give it away. Yeah, that's why she's got that big scar on the left side of her face is a rando nut job when she was like five slashed excuse her in the face. me why she's so fuck, why she's so fucking attractive tina fey is a fucking smoke show <laughs> yeah. i know it's not it's not a couth for a man to say that but tina fey rules and is hot mm. it's great it's yep yeah and read bossy pants it's great mm-hmm. bossy pants was great it's one of yep, my favorite book it. covers of all time <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the, the so quote good. from her right. dad on the back like are you sure you want to do that with a cover <laughs> I love that book. God damn. Yep. Also, uh, this year, 2000, is the uh, 20th anniversary of becoming the head writer for SNL, being the the first female head writer and the Weekend Update co-host. And I should mention that things that she's been in that we've talked about include 30 Rock, Date Night, Baby Mama, Invention of Lying, Man of the Year, and Aqua Teen Hunger Force, colon, movie film for theaters as Giant Burrito. She's in that movie? Wow. She is. Holy shit. As Giant Burrito. Love it. Yeah. And also the the Kimmy Schmidt Choose Your Own Adventure thing that's up right now on Netflix is so good. Mm. I spent so much time on it. I love that like if you hit a dead end, it will just let you keep going, just run you back to where you should be and then start from there again instead of having to start over. It is so much fun. Have to recommend uh she had a tiny show that might have only gotten one season a couple years ago called Great News. That was just yeah. really good, really funny, very charming. I was very sad that it did not get more love because she kind of plays a villain on it. She's not in every episode. She shows up every now and then. Um, it, yeah, it was 2017, and um, it was she executive produced it along with Robert Carlock, who she works with all the time as well. It got two seasons, but it's great. So I recommend checking it out if you can because – I really enjoyed it. It's definitely on Hulu for the moment. Ugh. Yeah. Because when, when she and when, Andrea Martin is in it, and I fucking love Andrea Martin <gasps> so much. I love much. Andrea Martin. Speaking of SCTV, there you go. So John, good. John and Michael so Higgins. is Horatio Stans. 
and John Michael Higgins. No. It's a great show, people. Watch it. I oh don't know why gosh. I have to keep selling it for you. Jeez. <laughs> <laughs> the first time you mentioned it, Sarah. Calm down. Calm down. <laughs> Calm down in your canceled shows. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Could use more of that, that, that Sarah anger. Um, yeah, but thank you guys so much for listening. Seriously, consider becoming a patron if not. But uh, stay safe. Have fun. Watch something cool. That's all we're here to help you to do. Uh, we can't appre- uh, We can't tell you how much we appreciate listening, especially to this point when I do not have a fucking... A uh, great way to wrap up the show, other than "Tightrope" by Janelle Monae. Ooh, yes, yeah. great song. Maybe like uh, Janelle Monae, one of the most attractive things in the universe. <laughs> and like, I never heard of her until she started popping up in everything I liked. And like, God, who, she's amazing. Who is I this love her weird so ass? Like, she looks like CG. She, yeah, she does. <laughs> she, like, which makes makes it very fitting that her album out this week is called the which Arch Android. Hmm. Yeah, it's yeah. great. She's wonderful. I love her so much. I love it when you find you know, someone wrong. who's like hot as hell and weird and Jan- Janelle Monet and talented as fuck. Like so, like I I don't follow her as closely as I should, but uh, we're gonna close out with "Tightrope" by Janelle Monet. I couldn't be happier about it. Have fun, man. Stay safe out there. We love you guys. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next week. Watch me tip all on it. The 